If you have, if you want to bring your own headphones, you can bring your own headphones and plug them in. All right, cool. No one's stopping me. <laughs> Sunday Scaries. Yeah, I, I don't have an expensive pair of headphones. Yeah. He would, no. Daniel <laughs> comes with like his little case. Yeah. Opens it up. Yeah, he, he, it's, a, it's a briefcase, actually. It's, he, he unzips <laughs> both clasps on each side. Uh, he starts talking about Huey Lewis in the news. It's really weird. I don't know. Every single time he does it. He's like, I, uh, I only wow. listen to Whitney Houston. <laughs> Man, uh, that's fancy. Hey, guys. It's Sunday Scaries. Uh, I'm Travis. I'm Tyler. And I'm Blake. Blake's here today. Welcome yeah. back, Blake. Uh, thanks for coming back. It's been a while. When's, yeah. When's the last time? I forgot the last. Oh, we did uh, The Strangers. Was that the last episode? Yeah, The wrong? Strangers was the last one I was Hell yeah. Before. It's a really popular episode. Is it really? Uh, yeah, among like on the internet, and then also just like everybody else talking about it. Everybody likes listening to the episode about the strangers. Yeah, Hell I got yeah. A, a lot of good responses yeah. about that one. That's a fun one. Mm-hmm. It's a good. It was a fun time. Uh, hey guys, it's Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies and things that we think are interesting to fans of horror movies. Uh, each week, we take a deep dive into a special, f- or a specific film, sorry, and try to find connections between that film and other movies within the genre. In this series, we're talking about slashers, uh, and this week we're hopping back in the time machine, back to the two thousand thousands nostalgia station wagon uh not train i don't know yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna hit another 2000s yeah. movie we're yeah. going to the 80s by way of by way 2000. of 2000s yeah. yeah another movie based on a book uh what we watch this week american, american psycho, psycho. i know my uh behavior can be erratic sometimes hey paul so what do you do I'm into, uh, well, murders and executions mostly. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Well done. Hell yeah. So uh, but yeah, man, 2000, uh, directed by Mary Heron, uh, starring Christian Bale, Willem Dafoe, Jared Leto, um, with some appearances by Chloe Savini, Reese Witherspoon, Bill Sage, mm-hmm. Josh Lucas. Uh, Justin Thoreau. Justin Thoreau. Um, almost didn't recognize him. Yeah. Fucking awesome movie based on a book, like we said before, based on uh, Brett Easton Ellis' 1991 novel um, by the same name, uh, American Psycho features a wealthy New York City investment banking executive, Patrick Bateman, um, who hides his alternate psychopathic ego from his co-workers and friends as he dives deeper into his violent, hedonistic fantasies. This is a this is a banger, man. It's mm-hmm. been so. This is on streaming now. As yeah, of this recording, it's on HBO. HBO yeah, yeah. I didn't realize until like last week that it was on HBO, and I was because I was prepared to rent it. I figured it was yeah. going to be on like Amazon I or was something. Pre- prepared to throw another four dollars. I know. Amazon. Yeah, I gotta I gotta compensate you for all your Amazon rentals. <laughs> uh, Just a beer. Yeah, there we you go. I know a beer. a beer per per episode, <laughs> which checks. Up, that's about. I'm sure I've bought you at least one beer for, oh, for, for, sure. for every episode. Um, you got me a shot last weekend at that show. So oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, it's a great show. Teenage Halloween, by the way. If you guys have never heard Teenage Halloween, mm-hmm. a New Jersey uh, like New punk, Jersey pop punk, punk, punk band. band, they were solid, man. Yeah, I did. We a... went out to uh, Andy's in Denton mm-hmm. to see Upsetting, which mm-hmm. is a local Dallas slash Denton kind of emo punk band. Um, I had never seen them, but I had heard about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, the headliner was Teenage Halloween from jersey yeah slapped i meant to post it on the podcast socials because i was like hey what a what a a relevant you know 
yeah. band name for, for the a horror podcast. Has, like the spooky yeah. Like, yeah. Halloween. So, uh, so Jack Lantern Head Man. Teenage Halloween is not local. No, no, they're from, they're from yeah, they were a touring band from New Jersey. It was oh, awesome. Nice. Uh, but hey, this is not a music podcast anyway. Nope, nope. Uh, we'll <laughs> we start, can talk we'll about start that a, later. We'll start a separate music podcast with Ben and have him come and like, because that would be a, an easy. Yeah. Anyway, all right, I'll put that in production notes. Um, <laughs> uh, this was, I assume, not you guys' first time seeing this. No, no. First time but, in a, in a minute. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's been a while. Not my first time. I feel like I definitely had a different, a much different interaction with it. Oh yeah. Now that I've. I think being like in the greater workforce and partip- participating in capitalism. More. Oh yeah, like when I watched it when I was like nineteen or twenty, it's kind of it lost on you, right? It. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't even have twenty dollars to my name. This means, like I can't identify. Can't even conceive yeah, yeah. of and the then problems you start going to interact on here. with yeah. people like the people in this movie. Yeah, and you're like oh. I see what they were saying. Yeah, dude, this is it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, and I think I don't think I've watched it since I like read the book back in like the end of high school or something. Mm. Um, and yeah, going through it again this time, I was startled by how much I forgot, like how how subtle some of the elements are in it, and how like I don't know. It, we're gonna have another conversation just like we did in Ready or Not, and we'll get to it here in a little bit about uh, what this uh, turned into. But yeah, did you, did you say high school? Yeah. Did you choose to read this in high school, or is this, like, required reading for it was, your school? It was, like, on the tail end of, like, my Palinowick phase. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, okay. Like, saying, because, yeah. yeah, I was, like... So I you chose Texas high schools could get away with... Yeah, Hell back in the day, no. you were still allowed to get various books from libraries and, you know... Yeah, read but I don't think schools. they could require it as well. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. that would be We'll ban books that say gay, but psychopath, psychopathic tendencies, we're good. Yeah. We're cool with that. This one, yeah, I, I don't yeah, know how this funny, one would... because Bateman is, uh, he's homophobic. yeah. In that one scene, so yeah. that's okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, in the book, too. It's yeah. okay, then. Totally permissive. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it's pro-homophobia, then we're all about yeah, it. Yeah, all about it. All about it. Yeah, this is... Uh, so, yeah, you said you've, you've watched it, I guess. Maybe not... I, when, when this came out, I think we're all about the same age. So we were all probably, like, eight, eight years eight. old. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I honestly, assume you like, didn't see this I, in theaters. I completely <laughs> agree with what you just said about, like, I had a totally different mindset walking mm-hmm. into it this time or experience with it this time mm-hmm. than I did last time. Uh, because, yeah, I've... I've partaken more in capitalism than I, yeah. than I had when I was like you know 20 yeah. 21 when I saw it for the first time yeah mm-hmm. and the, the subtlety I think it is definitely one where you're you're watching it as a like like I did when I was a, a you know a teenager it was mostly about the shock value and the uh, you know the gruesomeness especially you know coming from the book which we'll talk about in a second like I didn't I will say I didn't get to reread American Psycho for this uh, recording because I can't find my copy of it uh, so if I loaned it to you uh Enjoy. Give it back. Yeah, no, I, don't, I can go get another one. It's not that it's not also not that big of a deal. It's a it's kind of a slog to get through. But um, yeah, I think the first time I watched it, I was like in my early or yeah, nineteen or twenty or something, and so I like I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. It's intense. It's a it's a gruesome, you know, vicious character just going out and being a, a weird cult figure that he turns into. Um, yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's some topics here that I think like I was really interested in reading reviews that were written at the time this was released because you talked about it actually like made me think uh, as you talked about having a book like this be required reading or even the idea of reading it in school um i had forgotten right i don't know if i remembered that like brett easton ellis was really fucking young when he wrote this book was so it? yeah so his first book um so brett easton ellis the author of american psycho 
um, published his first book at the age of 21. Uh, that was Less Than Zero, which has mm-hmm. also been made into a movie starring Robert Downey Jr. and various other characters. Which he didn't um, really love that. Yeah, he, well, I guess he which wasn't a fan. This almost wasn't made into a movie. Yeah, yeah. and that, that book is interesting too because it's also like, I think you see the stark contrast and one thing that I had forgotten about the book is like, like Less Than Zero is like a tiny like novella almost. It's like, a, you know, just over 200 pages, I think. Um, that book is all about California socialites, young teenage uh, children of rich, wealthy film producers and other California socialites. And mm. the teenagers go out and do all kinds of crazy shit, driving expensive sport cars and doing drugs and eventually like find themselves entangled in a weird uh, human trafficking ring kind of thing going on. Um, I'm seeing just, classic, just based just classic classic a little bit stuff. that you just told me mm-hmm. there's similarities yeah is he mm-hmm. uh I, I don't know nothing about the guy mm-hmm. so like is he uh a child of privilege because he so seems he, to have a lot to comment yeah on he grew up in people. yeah in california um he was he's like a child of divorce but for all accounts uh that i've read about he said he had a you know a perfectly fine like california upbringing like you know upper middle class um but it is interesting yeah his perspective on uh on the wealthy and it's such a yeah i don't know i, w- I was really caught off guard when i i've realized that he had written this book at the age of like 25 or 26 yeah. uh, after already getting like he had gained you know fame at a young age after publishing less than zero um mm-hmm. and then this comes out in 1991 uh and then starts going down the path of uh production hell uh in the course of being made into a movie um yeah brady said Ellis at the time too this book was not very well received uh it's it was very very um controversial you know from the time it was published up to the time that the movie was written or produced um it was seen as one of the especially back in the 90s as being one of the most it was called one of the most misogynistic books of all time Mm. um which is really Mm. interesting like i i guess i had never really considered the yeah the the reception of the book before the movie had come out um but that really came came out as i was like reading about the production stuff and like behind the fact that like you know various people protesting the making of the movie and its release and you know brett easton ellis receiving death threats throughout the 90s from people mm-hmm. who had read his book or heard yeah, about there was like protests book. in toronto while mm-hmm. they're filming this like yeah at, at the film sites and yeah. stuff to the point where they had to delay or like move wow locations mm-hmm. it's that's um, which, an interesting notion you know, i, I now that I'm reading all these things about that happened during production, I wish that I would have read the book mm-hmm. to have that frame of reference. Yeah. Because after watching the movie, I wouldn't call it misogynistic, maybe in a satirical fashion. Mm-hmm. Like you have, that's the point, right? Yeah. Is that Intentionally hates, so. Like he's taking out his anger on explicitly for the most part. Yeah. Women and other rich white men, but like. It's mostly about that, class. Though. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that just an the, element the of point, mm-hmm. you know it's and it's it's really interesting because like i, I can but see can how take it a few different ways yeah sure. and it's funny i think one one of the best ways to kind of frame this uh i guess the beginning of this conversation because well i think this is a good way to start it and then we'll get into um some of the other more like thematic elements of the book and movie um but there was this uh, i read uh, the roger ebert review of this movie in from 2000 when it came mm-hmm. out right and i was like i forget it's always a nice little time capsule to read roger ebert interviews when he was still alive and mm-hmm. like actually writing you know for his uh, publications and stuff um his review is like his review is weirdly misogynist in a weird way because his what well, his main takeaway and his criticism well, he generally liked it he, he liked it, like it stars I think, he right? liked yeah, it yeah he did it's just the way he frames 
the movie having a female director affecting the overall the eventual outcome of the movie is a really interesting thing he's like mm. he's like it's notable that a female director is able to which is this is actually now seen i think is one of the benefits of the movie because he talks about the fact that like um like the fact that the movie has a female director being one of the things that kind of like strengthens it the the idea that like um you see why heron has called her her version of the film feminist uh so it is uh but then he like ties it in with these lines as like with his line it says and a libel against many sane calm and civilized men it does not describe oh, and it's no. this weird not all men. I, I was like yeah oh, and i was like roger, roger. <laughs> Um, but that is, I think, this is a, a, an interesting way to get into the conversation about the fact that um, Mary Heron's vision and the, the, the transference of the book and distilling it down um, from its more extreme and what could, you know, like, understandably be seen as, you know, indulgent, misogynistic or violent fantasies, um, kind of distilling that and filtering out some of the more, you know, some of the less important elements that come that are in the book. Um, and then using and then kind of morphing it into something that's a little bit more nuanced, um, interesting and focused on the theme of like class and capitalism and about um, homogeny. Yeah. And about in American exceptionalism. Yeah. And the the incarnation of uh, of yeah, like that 80s capitalist corporatist, uh, you know, ideology of Wall Street in a person. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, uh, it's funny. Yeah. uh, Who is it that one of your Turner, mm-hmm. right, helped One adapt the, the yeah. screenplay with Mary Heron, mm-hmm. and she had a very similar idea about where to take the story as Mary Heron. They were like on the same page. And I think Turner even said at one point, she's like, this could be a very feminist film mm-hmm. if you if framed in the correct way. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and it is. And I think it's interesting because it's like, I don't know. Yeah, this, these are the quotes from the Ebert article when he's like, he's you know, because he, I don't, I, I can't figure out where he's landing on this because he does seem like you know overly like overall positive and stuff, mm-hmm. um, but he he does hit the kind of the nail on the head about just the character of Bateman as well, where it's you know, in, in talking about this as a slasher movie, he says you know when Bateman kills, um, it's not with the zeal of a villain from a slasher movie. Uh, it's with the thor- the, like the thoroughness of a hobbyist. Uh, lives could have been saved if instead of living in a high-rise, Bateman had been supplied with a basement and a workbench and a lot of nails to pound. Um, and he has this like I don't know, yeah. His, his perspective on it, I was like, I was like, yeah, it, it's kind of like, yeah, the the whole not all rich rich capitalist men are, are murderers or whatever. But that's kind of like not the point. Is like the idea is that Bateman is the incarnation of uh, just a, an utter discare for for all society or mm-hmm. you know the and things that make society from reality good. yeah because of his privilege yeah um but also his like overexposure to capitalism because mm-hmm. he's a banker i think I yeah think he understands mm-hmm. that there's a every everything is a commodity mm-hmm. um so he just starts to look you know I mean, there's so many references mm-hmm. to it in the in the book um i haven't read the book but i've just heard um you know calls the meat you know mm-hmm. i mean it's it's essentially just looking at at human yeah. beings as things that he basically divulges it's his transactional. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. very much so for him, and that's why I think a lot of it starts with sex. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. or is based in sex. Yeah, it's the objectification of everything around you. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think uh, I want to talk about Christian Bale and uh, some of the other people's performances here in a second. Um, but first, I also wanted to like, I feel like I don't do this enough, but at the top of the movie, I forgot, man, the opening credits for this fucking movie are amazing. 
great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I turned it on uh, the other day, and the first time I was like rewatching it, and I was like, this is this is Dexter meets Chef's Table, and I had yeah. forgotten like, how weirdly, the menu. yeah, the menu. <laughs> how weirdly the orchestral the score is in some of the parts where mm-hmm. it's like whenever it's not, yeah, Huey, Huey Lewis on the news or Whitney uh-huh. Houston or um, or anything. <laughs> it's like there's like these like really subtle piano riffs going on in the background, and I was like, man, this movie has like a lot of a lot of heart to it in a weird way that it's like it's very yeah it's it's calming mm-hmm. um i was also reading that when they were going to release the soundtrack huey lewis and the news like backed out yeah and they're like no actually you can't put our track on that because we don't want to be associated with the movie mm-hmm. and they had to recall Man. like a hundred thousand cds yeah and Every- the whitney houston track that's in the movie right is yeah. not it's an orchestral version yeah, of the Whitney Houston She refused song to have her music like, in it, no. too. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, it was the same thing. Everything from that to... Uh, Phil Collins was down, though. Yeah, he yeah. was down. He was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, like, please, like, he play my song, man. He was high off that Tarzan money <laughs> yeah. at the time, dude. Like, he was just rolling in cash. He, yeah, uh, he would have been friends with Bateman. Yeah. They would have been hanging out yeah. at, at Dorcia. Um, yeah, everything from the the artists, the musical artists in the movie, to the various brands uh, who mm-hmm. at various times agree to what was permissible uh, yeah. to show. Rolex pulled out too. Yeah, they were you like, can't, you can't call put it a Rolex. Rolex. Yeah, don't because yeah, in the book it's like, don't touch the Rolex. He's like, don't touch the watch. And the uh, uh, the original publisher backed out too of the book. Like he had to. I read that that somebody else had to pick up the publishing rights mm-hmm. to it because they were like, uh uh-uh. uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're like, nope. Nobody wanted to touch this <laughs> thing with a ten foot pole. Um, yeah, well, and we'll talk about it throughout, I think, this conversation. But the, yeah, the book is I, the, one of the defining features of the book that I think are different from this movie are obviously the book has, yeah, there there's some gore and there's some murders in this movie, but they're also they happen a lot off screen uh, and they're more implied. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, uh, and be, you know, understandably so. That's that's a wise decision. The book has a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of torture scenes in the book. Um, there's a pivotal character. Uh, from what I remember, Patrick Bateman's ex-girlfriend shows up, um, kind of as a as a as a parallel to him at one point in the book. She's like um, talking about along you know the themes of misogyny and like the patriarchy and stuff. He he like kind of identifies her as being an example of like this unacceptable you know independent woman who is like very very strong and like has her career together and shit and like is. Uh, kind of like everything that he's not her her entire life is based on things that like of substance and she's like traveling and doing all this other shit and it mm-hmm. just like many things she that we see in the movie that. it enrages him mm-hmm. um and so she suffers one of the most gruesome like mm-hmm. she has like a giant house and he goes to yeah. it and performs like crazy torture stuff on her and it's a uh, yeah. it's knowing definitely that, something you can't uh, yeah put it knowing that that's in the book now, yeah that scene I'd say maybe about three quarters through the movie where the, all the all his coworkers are talking about how good looking women. Like, yeah. That scene makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. now because they're probably accessing that same kind of like combatants. Well, but it's not from the woman's perspective. It's from the man's perspective. Yeah. Like why they would be so upset. Yeah, it's like a, a uh, woman with a person. Yeah, they're like yeah. A, a girl with a personality. Like you know, it's, it's like no good or whatever. Yeah, and their their personality is serving me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's a great. I don't know. Like all of these characters are so despicable, and it's a. Uh, and that's that's one of the funny things is like yeah, in the book, the idea of the book being misogynist and stuff. I think this is a. Uh, like I don't I don't know from like reading more about Brady Sinellis and like knowing who he is like he's you know kind of on like like he's kind of queer too like he's never mm-hmm. come out as like being like people kept asking him in the two thousands and I think when it was like less acceptable um, if he's like openly gay but he's he's 
a, a queer writer. He mm-hmm. and he like admits to being that way, uh, and like understanding too. Like he comments on the characters in his books, and he's like, yeah, there's there's this problem that people have of of thinking that these that I am these characters in these books that I'm writing myself and it's like no that's the whole point of the book is to make you hate this character um in such a way that and you if, know if you're identifying yeah with you've, them at all you've got problems you've, yeah yeah you fucked up it's like that therein <laughs> lies the issue um yeah let's talk let's talk about Patrick Bateman a little bit more he uh so originally um they're like, talking about the production hell of this movie right um in the 1991 you know people start trying to think about how to make this into a movie Brett Easton Ellis himself thinks he's there's no fucking way you can turn this book into a movie. Um, it's just too <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but in spite of that, um, through various incarnations of uh, production deals, um, the film uh, has Mary Heron as a, a director uh, with Christian Bale attached to it, um, sort of maybe, let's t- say, at the outset. Um, it gets variously traded to uh, director Oliver Stone at one point, who wanted mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio to play Patrick mm-hmm. Bateman. And he's um, just coming off the Titanic at mm-hmm. this point. He is hot hot at the yeah. moment they're um, willing to pay him like 20 million <laughs> yeah so much so yeah because the the, the the final budget for this movie ends up being seven million dollars mm-hmm. uh but lionsgate they wanted leo so if you leo or and there was someone else too they, i think leo leo or uh brad pitt, pitt was also they said keep, if you get one of them you know yeah. it's yeah. Pay it's 20 million yeah but otherwise keep it under 10 yeah like, <laughs> uh joaquin phoenix tells this story about how like when he was coming up mm-hmm. leo was at the same time and then he was he remembers being in audition rooms and auditioner or uh, like casting directors being like leo's here leo just got here and he's like <laughs> fuck damn it he's like damn it like might as well he, just he, leave. he's like he lost so many roles out to yeah. him i mean obviously he ended up being fine but like he lost so many roles yeah. to leo on right. his way up mm-hmm. it was like the ba- it was like his nemesis his, yeah his audition nemesis yeah, because they were, compe- yeah. I guess, competing for similar yeah, diverging roles and universes. Like, the yeah, yeah. could have gone two ways. Yeah, yeah. Because this is also after uh, the Quick and the Dead in like '96 or something. That Sam Raimi <laughs> Western movie where Leo plays like the the young gunslinger. That's before mm-hmm. Titanic, actually. I think right. And then yeah. it's uh, yeah, um, but obviously yeah, Leo <laughs> Leo makes the if, if the idea of having Leo in the movie makes the budget jump like three times what it would originally be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Oliver Stone was holding you know as director. Uh, there was talks to have Cronenberg direct it direct yeah. it at one point. Yeah, there was. Uh, which would be the idea of the version yeah. of this movie with but Brad he... Pitt as Patrick Bateman and like David Cronenberg <laughs> directing. Mm. <laughs> but Brett. <laughs> He fucking hated Brett Easton Ellis' screenplay. Yeah. Cronenberg wanted nothing to do with it. And then he told he had somebody else do a screenplay. Mm-hmm. And he hated that even more. Mm-hmm. And then he said, fuck it. I'm yeah. Out. And he just did. Similarly with like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then with the Leo Oliver Stone thing, it's like there's, you know, because of whatever behind the scenes creative differences and stuff, they mm-hmm. ended up breaking it up. And hey, it goes back to Mary Heron uh, and Christian Bale. He's he's keeps on working out. He's holding yeah. out to get that role back because he just really, really wants this. Uh, yeah. And he told... He had private conversations with other actors that were up for the role, mm-hmm. asking them, like, please turn it down. Yeah, he openly because lobbied he, Leo to not take yeah. the role. And then also... Which would, I mean, honestly, is for the best. Yeah. I don't and know. I, he would have looked too young stuff, at Leo, the time, yeah, do you think? He was right? still like, a baby. He was still, even in, yeah, in Titanic. Boyish. Yeah, there, he, this is in that period where he's, like, morphing from being just the kid actor into, like, you know, the young heartthrob that he liked to, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. into and stuff. I mean, nothing against Leo, but I think Leo's always had this boyish thing mm-hmm. going on. And I think he's yeah. kind of just now settling into, like, his, like, manhood. Mm-hmm. He's got a baby whereas, face. He was boyish whereas, for quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. His, his baby face, I think. But, like, 
Christian, even when he was younger, like in this younger, because mm-hmm. he's in his twenties. Yeah, he's twenty six. He he's twenty. This... He's twenty six, but he he always has had this like manly gravitas to him. Yeah, you know what I mean. He has like very sharp features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and even you know knowing that Bateman is what twenty seven. Yeah, this, this is like film, the twenty seven year old that, version of him. I was like, I thought I assumed older. Yeah, you know based on his position and the look of Bale. Yeah, it's also like that what what's the opposite of like recency bias? It's a this is something I always think about whenever we see like you know how you see like videos of people from like in school from the 90s or the 80s and stuff and you're like they still look like they're 40. And it's like this mm-hmm. weird thing of we just have the like local like time-wise it's the like locally associated like we know that they existed 20 years ago yeah so they must be older now yeah, yeah. but it's like the idea that like our idea of like those clothes and the things like that they're doing and the hairstyles just rem- we think of people that are much older than us and so you mm-hmm. just associate it even though if you see like an 18 year old like wearing like that same that, thing yeah the same outfit you're like now nah, you look old it's weird yeah I don't know how that works, but I, I got I'm that. I'm sure there's a term for it. Yeah, yeah. but it's like that's the same thing with like all of these '80s haircuts and stuff. Like Jared Leto being in here and Christian Bale with their like giant slicked back haircuts and stuff. And you're like, ah, oh, you guys all look slightly older, but mm-hmm. yeah, they're little Reese Witherspoon is 26 too. They're little yeah, babies. It's, it's crazy. crazy. I don't know. Um, Christian Bale's two months younger than Reese Witherspoon. I figured that hmm. out here in this one too. The, the movie, in a weird way, kind of uh-huh. shows how well all of them have aged because mm-hmm. they all uh-huh. still look oh, yeah. pretty great, if not honestly not better than they used to. Yeah, most of them at least. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, yeah. these babies in here, but they look they look good. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think Christian Bale's. Yeah, I don't know. I can't imagine any other. Yeah, having Brad Pitt or Leo or anybody else be nah. be the well, Billy Crudup was originally attached. to I it could have as seen well. that. Oh but yeah. He, yeah, 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 yeah. He dipped out himself because mm-hmm. he told Mary Heron he's like I don't I'm not going to do this character justice I mm-hmm. don't really understand like that's what he told her mm-hmm. and he separated himself from the project yeah which props to him for doing that yeah but I could have seen him doing the role that's one of the few yeah like sort sort of like a uh, like an everyman feel like like or you know mm-hmm. like I think of that as the same way I think of like like Eric Bana or something it's like your face is just so blank or just so like archetypal that it just kind of yeah. works and it fits for that character. For yeah, sure. because especially like the idea. So that that main quote that he has, you know, he's like, "There is no Patrick Bateman. I am the idea. I am a concept of a person." Um, mm-hmm. It's just so I don't know uh, the idea. Christian Bale got really into this role. He read the book several times and was you know doing his this Kept is his on set. Yeah, his early method stuff where he like I mean he had to fucking work out like crazy to to maintain the physique for this role too. Mm-hmm. I mean because he 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 earned it. He looks fucking good. Like oh yeah oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and he's known for body transformations. You know? Yeah, he, he, you know, he went. He notoriously went from Batman to the machinist. Rescue machinist. to machine. Uh, I think he went. Uh, he went from machinist to Batman. So like that, he had to put mm-hmm. on, and he got too bulky for that. Then they had to skinny him down for Batman. Mm-hmm. Then he went to Rescue Dawn. So he had to become an emaciated, you know, Vietnam mm-hmm. captor for that. Then he had to bulk back up again for the Dark Knight, and I've heard like he just has had doctors watching his heart for years because they're yeah. like, "This is not good for your body." Well, even yeah. like, and recently in the last like years, he's kind of done with that. Like he himself yeah. admits he's like, yeah, "I'm not fucking destroying yeah, my body I can't, anymore." Yeah, I, can't do this I think anymore. it was after because after for Vice, right when he played Dick Cheney. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because he he was just eating melted ice cream like oh. all day and just gained a shitload of weight. 
that's, that's way a, more fun than getting ripped though yeah like, you know what i mean you know that's way more yeah, fun. i could do that i yeah, feel like i feel like we I mean? say that but I, I can't imagine the psychological torment when you kind of like catch yourself on an off day and you're like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening to me uh yeah he i don't know i'm fascinated by christian bale dude like yeah the idea of this this early stage of his method stuff where like you said he was on set uh he spoke in an english accent throughout the entire filming uh and would stay very reserved away from the rest of the cast mm. and you know trying to kind of like maintain you know character i guess which is i know we always say it's like it, it always seems like only assholes are method actors and or like people who do method acting yeah. are only doing it to be an asshole when they're doing being an asshole uh, or something it's which like, he's done that too. yeah it's we've, like we've heard all of his his uh rants and escapades on on set yeah um, but i also can't imagine being in that like high stress state for that period of time yeah you know? those quotes about him he's like i'm so tired of eating grilled chicken breasts and like having tra- like working out three times a day and then having trainers on set to like get him cut for specific scenes and yeah yeah dude that's stressful i don't know what's the most extraneous like physical activity you've had to do for a role we talked about some of the strangers you had to do some heavy breathing uh i'd say probably for me like i wouldn't say it's like a body transformation but like fight sequences that mm. just like really take things out of you and mm-hmm. also kind of leave you kind of messed up. Like I, I had to do a fight sequence for a movie that is actually coming out, uh, I think sometime soon. It's called The Senior. And uh, Michael Chiklis and I get into a fight in the movie. And uh, <clears throat> it, it like, I, you know, I'm just, I'm very committed to all that stuff anyways. And I love physical stuff. And I just, he like kind of slams me up against his table repeatedly. <laughs> and, and he was like, are you good? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm good. And like, and I just was like, you know, just trying to tough it out. Like it hurt every time, but I was just You're like, I was like, oh, I yeah, mean, like, I'm good. Like, you know, fuck you, Michael Chiggins. You're not going to hurt me. <laughs> and like, and you know, and it looks, it looks great. But you know, I went back to my trailer and I, the entire like left side of my body literally was bruised. <laughs> and like, I was just like, they have stumped people for a reason yeah, Damn, my, gr- my, my girlfriend was like holy i mean like literally and it lasted for like because i bruise like a peach anyways i'm really white um so like it lasted for like weeks like i just had this whole body bruise Ugh. so you know art for you know pain yeah. for art pain Art for, is yeah. nothing without pain yeah you gotta sacrifice your body for the art yeah so that's probably i'd say that's probably the most intense thing but now i've never like changed myself yet looking forward to it though i'd love to do it <laughs> like I, I that's that's the the switch you're waiting to be turned on to, to have to morph for a role and get super super ripped oh yeah you gotta join the marvel universe i know right you, hey you provide <laughs> me with a nutritionist a trainer i will get into whatever shape you want me to be in. yeah look like, at uh, I Kamal. Will. Kamal Kamal Johnny. yeah damn just gotta get one of those roles i know eternals, yeah eternals that's too. The, the famous pipeline of like physical training whenever it's like mm. you, you, you can turn a chris pratt into a star lord you can yeah. turn Kamal Nanjiani into an eternal <laughs> Uh, it's like that. Uh, this is a. I'm sorry. This remind, just reminded me of because actually this will. I'll circle back around. Uh, so uh, Jake Johnson uh, was in what movie was he in recently with Tom Cruise? Um, there's they're in something together. Oh Top my Gun? god! No, not he wasn't in Top Gun. It was a. Uh, Jake Johnson, the guy who plays like Nick from New Girl and stuff, mm-hmm. um, oh, 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 he was oh. talking about there's this article of him, uh, the most un Tom Cruise person, like interacting with Tom Cruise on set and like in preparation <laughs> for this role and stuff. And Tom Cruise being like, "Hey, you can come work out of my gym. We're gonna get, we're gonna help, we're gonna get your body in order and stuff." Because he wanted Jake Johnson to be like in shape. Um, you know, to be mm. in this movie with him. It was The Mummy. The Mummy. Oh, yeah, The Mummy. 2017, The Mummy. Yeah. Um, and so, like, in the course of, like, filming for that, he he wanted Jake Johnson to get in shape and stuff. And he's like, we're going to do what he takes. Or I'm going to put you on a regimen. I'm going to hook you up with my, my, my nutritionist. You're going to use my gym and stuff. So Jake Johnson's like, well, he 
you don't Hell say no yeah. to Tom Cruise. Yeah. And so he talks about how he like showed up to Tom Cruise's gym one day and he was like, yeah, Tom told me to come and said I could work out with him. And the guy like there's like a, a like a bodyguard at the door and he's like, no, 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 he's in there right now. You can't work out. And he's like, well, <laughs> all right, I guess I'll just come back later. And so like he like was on set with Tom Cruise like in the next couple of days or something. And I was like, yeah, I tried to go by. He's like Tom Cruise was like, you know, what happened to you the other day, man? I thought we were going to work out together. And he's like, well, I tried to go by, but your guy said that I couldn't. He's like, no. You do not let anybody tell you no. You come and you work out with me. Don't let them tell you anything otherwise. That's easy for like, you to say, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, okay. And then he's like out there, like, you know, Tom Cruise doing his like natural or his like, you know, his own stunts and shit. And he's like, yeah, this guy's, I realized what kind of fucking crazy he mm-hmm. is. Like the weird shit he does for fun. Speaking so, of Tom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the inspiration for Christian uh, Bale. Christian Bale's character. Yeah. <laughs> Cites a Letterman appearance by Tom Cruise. Yeah. As inspiration for Patrick Bateman. Just this overly Just friendly, fucking, but cold, yeah, like cold dead, dead eyes. eyes. Like a dose. Eyes. perfect yeah teeth, smiling the whole time uh, which i mean i watched the interview and it's like yeah you yeah lo- you look like a fucking insane person yeah he you does look like you have a few bodies in the basement and christian bale pulls it pulls it off perfectly like i don't know that's the there's this guardian article that talked about it where he's like as bateman you know bale exudes just the right amount of uh, anti-charisma um it's hard to play a character without a soul so bale focuses on giving a face to the void within and it's mm. it's so true because you know the movie starts off and he's like smiling and laughing and there's a great like i don't know his uh the juxtaposition between you know the the word salad that's coming out of his mouth where he's just like quoting headlines and stuff to his his rich friends and everything um while maintaining like a perfect smile but it's just it's completely like empty and hollow devoid and, of any true emotion yeah and and they they say even like you know like bailed he himself he doesn't want the, he didn't want the audience to to pity you know patrick bateman but as he becomes completely unmoored from reality throughout the movie um you see his like misery and his sociopathy sort of like poking through and those yeah because those subtle switches when he starts just like fucking losing it like the card like the you know the card scene when they're all showing Mm -hmm. their cards to each other and his eyes just darken and his gaze just becomes completely neutral you're like oh my god he's gonna have Mm -hmm. a heart attack it's so insane oh yeah um and he looked like he was sweating profusely throughout the movie yeah Mm -hmm. They were they were hitting with that spray bottle a lot. Yeah, this is <laughs> misting him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Moisture. After the me. movie came out, Mary Heron mentioned that they called him like the robo actor or something on set because he could willingly sweat, make him like be sweaty. They're like, we need you to be sweaty for this scene, and he's like, okay. And then he would just start sweating. What is he? he just he's start, like a fucking he, I, monk. I just, a I just monk imagine. somewhere that just lowers his heart rate and starts pouring sweat out everywhere. I just imagine Jesus. he like closes his eyes and he just kind of starts to vibrate <laughs> and a vein appears on his head and then sweat just appears on his skin and you're just he's like, actually what like the hell? an electromagnetic force pulling the condensation out of the air. Yeah. <laughs> Christian Bale might have actual superpowers. I think, I mean, there's it's a good, unlikely. if there was an actor that did, I'd put him up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely in the top oh, yeah, three. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, Patrick Maven is, uh, is is amazing in this movie. He is literally the idea of the incarnation of, uh, you know, corporations as people. Um, mm. And that's kind of like, I think, one of the running themes of this movie we'll, we'll get to. Uh, the other big one I want to talk about is, man, Willem Dafoe. Like, <laughs> I love seeing my I man love Dafoe. So much. In everything. My fellow Wisconsinite. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> He's from he, Wisconsin? Yeah. Appleton. He wow. went to UWM where I went to school. That is awesome. I don't yeah. know why. It's just like, I think I love him so much, and he's just such a like a gem, American mm-hmm. gem of an actor. 
that like hearing that he's just from you know he's ah, i'm from wisconsin it's like yeah why does that make so much sense yeah <laughs> and it, makes me, it makes me love you even more <laughs> you know it just seems so genuine yeah. yeah and in this movie too like he's uh he's not in a lot of the movie but uh as as the detective like he as detective uh uh kimball he's i don't know so the it's kind of like a cult uh fact at this point it's a, it's a really fun um, trivia for this movie that Mary Heron had Willem Dafoe do each of his mm. uh, interrogation interview scenes in three different tones, right? Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning like talking tones, like with his voice? Like, okay, so the idea like, was that... Oh, tones that are... Sunday scary. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the idea is like him investigating Bateman. She wanted him to approach it from one perspective as if he knew 100% for sure that Patrick Bateman was the killer and was trying to get him to incriminate himself. The second was that he suspected him but was unsure of whether Patrick Bateman was actually the killer. And then the third would be that he didn't think that Patrick was the killer at all and that they were just kind of joking and being friends. And the idea was... doing his due diligence. Exactly. And the idea was to, to film three different you know sets of takes with these each of these different perspectives and then cut them together in such a way overlapping with each other that it confuses the the audience audience. yeah Yeah. to where you can't really tell does he Mm -hmm. think he's the killer that's interesting that's how i felt during that scene yeah i was like are you fucking with him or are you just like well they told me to go interview this guy so i guess i'll do it but he didn't like i it it shifts dramatically throughout that but there, each there, interview. Yeah, and there, there are some definite moments where it's like very obvious, like oh, he thinks he did it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the smile at him, like the implication, yeah. like right, Patrick. Yeah, the little, you know what I mean? The little he, twinkle in the, the eye. little twinkle yeah. in the eye when you say something to them, like yeah, those moments came through very clear. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Defoe with just his 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 facial expressions and acting, like the way he's, oh, I don't know, man, that man has so much control over his expressions, it's fucking insane. And that's that's a fun like drinking game to play, or like you watch these this movie again, and with each cut back to Willem Dafoe, you're like, all right, which one? Is it? <laughs> yeah. that, that smile of his man yeah i mean you'd be hard-pressed to find a more unsettling smile in hollywood oh yeah, yeah. you know it's just and it's just so useful too man it's just yes. like it, the way he i don't know I, I love everything he's in um especially after what i thought was funny is i was trying to remember how close this movie was to boondock saints and it came out the year after like literally the year before mm-hmm. this he was that detective in boondock saints mm-hmm. um which I thought was really funny, like because both of these they're similar but wildly different roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, that he was probably filming simultaneously. Oh yeah. And I wonder how much overlap there was uh, uh, between those. The man's got range. He does. Yeah. He's known for that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and then also, uh, yeah, so we got little baby Reese, Reese with a spoon, and then uh, Jared Leto, maybe before we hated him as much. I don't know. Like he was still yeah, kind of. Was, he was still fine. <laughs> yeah. At this point, and he plays an unlikable character in this, and mm-hmm. you're like, all right, good. Yeah, looking back now, I'm like, fuck yeah, yeah. kill him. <laughs> do, it. Yeah. do it. That once you're do like, it. he kind of had it coming. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, and this is, yeah, it's, uh, this is after, yeah, right after Fight Club, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, when he has his, like, you know, his small role in that, um, where he also gets his face destroyed, which is kind of fun. Um, yeah, uh, so kind of going through, like, the plot of this movie real quick, uh, it's a little bit, like, you know, kind of all over the place. I feel like it is very, like, episodic in the way um, it it functions. It, at least it starts off, and it always kind of refrains back to sort of, like, these same, like, checkpoints, right? But mm-hmm. Christian uh, Patrick Bateman is just sort of steadily losing it, um, and you see him behaving in the same situation differently as he just kind of loses his grip on reality. Um because it kicks off with one of the mini dinner scenes, uh, and then very shortly after that, 
um, were kind of like teased with a couple of different like maybe murders. It took me a while to remember my first rewatch of this, like when the actual first kill happens. Um, and I think it is the same mm-hmm. in the book where he murders an un, like an unhoused person uh, mm-hmm. who, in in an alleyway and their dog too. And it's yeah. really sad. <laughs> That, it was made, a, that made me mad. It was. It was like a, uh, and I also think that that was like one of the first uh, times where the like obscene satire like really stuck out to me again on a rewatch where I was like, oh shit. And it's like, because <laughs> he, he leans down to the guy and he's like, you know how fucking bad you smell? And he's like, it's your attitude, man. That's your problem. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, go get a job. <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. like, just get a fucking job. And I was like, ah, this is a, a perfect portrayal of like this sort of, uh, this guy is the incarnation of that like you know the, it's more people's fault yeah, the myth of the meritocracy <laughs> yeah oh god yeah just uh, get out of those bootstraps buddy yeah uh and you'll stop stinking yeah seriously uh but yeah through uh various like dinner scenes so we we, we set up the character of patrick bateman um that uh this this ho- this apartment like morning routine scene um is so zen the piano music like throughout it mm. it has a very uh i remember re-watching it again it has a very uh, gene hackman and the wes anderson vibe in royal tenenbaums mm-hmm. do you remember royal tenenbaums where like so gene hackman's like narrating throughout the entire time mm-hmm. uh and with like the 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 fugal style piano and stuff that's like happening at the beginning of uh, american psycho and he's narrating his morning routine as he explains his character and the fact that he's like he himself is a concept and he's like i am flesh and bone but it's only like you know for you you may see me as like a real human being but that i'm i'm it's something completely manufactured different. yeah um but the the cadence of his voice is like really soothing in the same way that like gene mm-hmm. happens is from oil ten of bonds um he goes through his morning routine. We see him do crunches with his uh, his cooling mask on and everything. Um, I guess his... I can do a thousand now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 That's so great. Uh, and then uh, what is he? He ends up at another dinner here. That's that's the hard thing about this movie is like There's it's, so many fucking dinners. Yeah, and it's all kind of the same uh, like refrain. Um, either no, I think we get oh we get up to the office the first time and we meet Gene. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chloe Savini playing Jean, who I was trying to remember. I swear to God, I thought I recognized her from something else, but I, I was looking at her credits and everything, and it's like it's a bunch of TV and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's nothing that I'm super familiar yeah. with. She uh, she works like crazy. She yeah. she just has this very um, I don't I don't even know how to describe it. She's just a very truthful actress. She's very minimalistic and just very uh, she's just kind of an every girl. Like she kind mm-hmm. of can be whatever you want her to be. She morphs into anything so well because she has this like innocence, but also this like, God, I'm getting so profound. This like innocence, <laughs> but also, but also like sorrow to the way that she does things. Is, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she plays, she plays broken, sad characters very well. Right. But also in meek, a very believable, meek, way. in a very believable way. And yeah. Very, very meek characters really well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's very quiet and natured. Um, kind of mousy. Kind of mousy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he. Uh, that's the. She she gives a big like Elizabeth Moss vibes almost. Like was, it would be you kind of literally like, just read my mind. I was yeah. about to say that because I guess that's kind of like the same character. Like it's the Mad Men like you know situation Secretary. that's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's also like notable and stuff that she's one of the only ones that gets away. Kind of when he like shows restraint later. Um, mm-hmm. That's so. But also the only one in the movie besides uh, the detective to suspect maybe who he is. Really? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. she, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the end here, mm-hmm. but, you know, starts to rifle through his journal and everything because I think she has a hunch. Mm-hmm. 
you know. Mm. So she's the only person that kind of sees through the facade a little bit. Yeah, everybody else is so detached from reality that like she's the only one yeah. that can actually like has any critical like lens too through which to. Too concerned about their own self image yeah. to yeah. analyze what anybody else even looks like yeah other than why they keep confusing each other for other people (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) the that 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 running theme is like that that idea and how infuriating that is for him the idea that like he looks so similar to these other people and that like they can all be reduced marcus hammered yeah mark hammerstein yeah uh but yeah, the, the that duality, like he's so obsessed with conformity, but like it, it enrages him. It's like he's he's so conformed they need that to be, he wants to be the most perfectly conformed. Yeah, the perfect ideal of mm-hmm. himself or the idea that he has of himself. Um, but yeah, they go to uh, I forget they go to Barcadia. That's one of the uh, the the thousand restaurants that they reference and talk about. Which is, mm. this is something that I'm glad is like the it's it, so in the book. I one of one of the big things I do remember is I think that. You know, as even as a young author, like Ellis did this really good job of sort of satirizing not only like in the content of the book, but in the writing style. Um, a lot of these sort of very wordy, uh, maybe like 19th century, 20th century novels that are, are very into describing like every little minutia and like making just like lists of things. Mm-hmm. Like I do remember that being one of the mo- most arduous things about getting through that that book is like it's literally like pages and pages of like listing off every like designer item in a room from floor to ceiling and like patrick bateman does that to a certain degree in the movie but like they sort of give us the a break from it in a little bit or a little bit by like only you know spending a little bit of time mm. talking about all the various the like decorations Valentino he has suits and yeah stuff like that. um because it just gets i don't know i just don't know it's that many labels yeah. yeah um but it, i guess that's that's what it's meant to do though is to communicate like their obsession yeah with, uh, their obsessions with themselves and with i don't know like we all know we all know people like the people like this i feel mm-hmm. like i've mm-hmm. i've heard so many you know what like when you're out like yeah, especially especially the age that we are now yeah like i said when i was 19 i didn't really understand it but now my life experiences at this point and the people that i've interacted with mm-hmm. um i've met people like this like yeah now now at this point in my life it's like no these are some people are like this. Yeah, I didn't know that many finance bros when I was younger. Yeah, and, uh, when I was <laughs> 19 or 20 in a punk band living with like eight guys, I didn't really know many Wall Street bros. Yeah, but it's almost <laughs> that thing of like when you overhear, like I don't know if you've heard this like, like at work or something too, like you overhear like a first date um, with one of these guys in it that, and it's like going horribly wrong where he's talking for like 20 minutes straight about mm-hmm. himself and about how hyped he is about his career and everything. And like she hasn't said one word. And this is the perfect archetype for that. They execute all of these characters like the like the perfect way, where they're all just that. They're just constantly spinning their wheels in the same like <laughs> masturbatory, you know, set, set set of conversations about themselves. Um, but yeah, the the card scene comes up here too, where uh, it's just the most like the there's like, these whooshing sound effects that take place every time someone like whips their card out. Like it's the most like yeah, it's oh, literally yeah. it's just a dick measuring contest, and like yeah. yeah, they're all whipping it out for each other to like look at and envy. Um, the 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 scene where it's like, all the the, the subtle off white color, the raised lettering, and then the quote the Gami is like, oh my god, it even has a watermark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just dripping sweat down his face. Oh my god, he yeah, he just looks more defeated every time a new card comes out. Yeah, oh, uh, man. 
but I think uh, after that, yeah, he gets the, uh, that's where that first murder scene and the alley comes. Um, and then he quickly, I think, d- has made the decision at this point to, to murder Paul Allen. Um, so Paul Allen is the character played by Jared Leto, who like basically serves as like the, the, the I guess, the, He's the his, spark his to light. Yeah. Uh, that he cannot. He's been one up by him one too many times. One too many times. One too many uppers. And, yeah, uh, and he can't handle it anymore. He can't handle it. And he, it, there's this specific killing in this specific scene is like, uh, it, it, to me, it's like he ref, he kind of is like referencing like Ace Ventura. Oh, yeah. And, and early Jim Carrey. Just he like, has that he energy. Is, he is giddy about this kill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, he does is, a little moonwalk oh there at one God, point. He's like, so great. <laughs> I forgot how Which is, fucking he awesome just this is. Just that. Yeah, because this is, I mean, it's the most iconic, you know, this entire sequence, right? Because the whole thing with Jared Leto mm-hmm. happens sort of in, in one pretty tight, um, like little Couple set of minutes. scenes. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I don't know why I thought it was drawn out over a longer, like, period, but it is one of the first kills that happens, like, right after the alleyway one. Um, he he's realized that Paul Allen keeps mistaking him for Marcus Habershire and uh, Marcus so, Hamburger. Hamburger. Um, so he like invites Paul Allen out to dinner. They go get uh, drinks at what does not look like a very fancy Mexican joint. They get like martinis, yeah, which and Paul stuff. makes it very clear. Yeah, he's like, we could have gone to Dorcia. I could I could get you in there, you know. Yeah, yeah. But they had to go somewhere where people wouldn't see them. Yeah. Or oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. They had to go to the shitty restaurant where mm-hmm. the other guys Wouldn't from work going to be. Yeah, so be there. he has an alibi. Yeah. Or rather, they don't have an alibi. And uh, <laughs> that's the first uh, reference to Trump they make in the movie, too, where he's like, is that Ivana Trump over there? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also a running theme in the book, like Paul Patrick Bateman's obsession with Donald Trump, which is a hilarious, uh, like, oh, man. Christian Bale had a poster of Trump in his trailer during this filming. Yeah, <laughs> that checks poster out. Poster of Trump and then Tom Cruise next to each other so he could see them. He was Every a, day. He was a pre-2016 Trumper. That's, uh, you know, like, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the, the, and that sequence after they, they he gets him drunk at the uh, the Mexican joint and stuff, they jump quickly back to uh, his apartment where he has all the, the furniture covered and yeah. the uh, newspaper laid down. Uh, mm. He's like, yeah, why, why do you got all these Sunday issues down? You got a dog or something? Are yeah, you he's little like, you a dog? <laughs> <laughs> And it is, yeah, this is the most, like, one of the most iconic scenes, I think, of, like, all slashers is, uh, yeah, the whole drawn-out Huey Lewis in the news bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that Patrick Bateman is just basically quoting from reviews that he's read, you know, in, yeah. in popular articles and stuff. And he does a similar thing in that, that dinner when they're talking about, like, social issues, and he mm-hmm. just word vomits, like, mm-hmm. every headline about, you know, socioeconomic status mm-hmm. and feeding and housing the the houseless and all that mm-hmm. just to appease his aclu fiance did you listen to um the uh behind the bastard series on uh jeff bezos i believe so. is that where they they had jake hanrahan on from popular front as well i think because so, Hanrahan did like a whole series on Amazon. I think and it I was think they brought yeah, they were tied together, and it was, it was salient at the time. But I remember mm-hmm. this. This reminded me so much of some of the stories they told about the anecdotes from like his younger years and stuff. Where when he was in school and like in high school and college and stuff, he he understood that everyone liked music, but he himself just like 
didn't, didn't understand how to like enjoy or like from an emotional look. he had no emotional tie to yeah music. so he, he would literally care. he would just go and memorize like the top 100 list and like read a bunch of like and this is Reviews exactly it like albums. and just like <laughs> r- like ramble that shit off to people to try to like make friends because that was like the most efficient way he he understood to like make connections with people and you like watching this again that's exactly what he's fucking mm-hmm. doing like patrick bateman throughout the movie is just reciting whether it's a review of a restaurant or like you know music and stuff the music is the one that sticks out the most because it's like you know the the songs that that stick with the scene and they're just Mm -hmm. the most hilarious you know rants or whatever um but that's what he's doing he's creating like the facsimile of a personality by just reading off quotes from other shit it's i don't know it's hilarious and that's funny that that actually answers the question that i was going to have for you guys Mm -hmm. which was like is he just is this just another part of his camouflage Mm -hmm. or is he actually does he enjoy music to this extent like that because it i think it's purely i'm sorry oh no no he i just think it maybe it's because christian bales is such a good actor it comes across very genuine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at least i thought so the the phil collins one specifically where he's like and i make and he's like i put an emphasis on the word art Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because it's (laughs) like you know because it's like he he seems like he really does enjoy it and he has that one song what is it studio studio yeah yeah we just killed that um (laughs) but like i'm not a vocalist he (laughs) he, but he like he seems to really enjoy the song you know and he's going to town on the two girls to the song he's like god i fucking love this song. yeah but it's not about the song it's about him it's about him Him and him seeing himself oh yeah yeah. Uh, that's 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 what he's obsessed with yeah yeah. himself yeah um i think it's purely maybe not purely but mostly just a cover-up because what else is he going to talk about yeah he, what else does he have to talk when about he does talk about to these people that isn't like flexing about work yeah he and doesn't have anything he's a hollow shell of a fucking human yeah he has to come up with something to maintain them in that space right? yeah and it's funny though because when his uh arguably so like as the film kind of goes on and he starts slipping right um his real personality starts to like slip through so going back to that conversation we were having earlier about when they're talking about women and about like personality and whether you know if if, if a woman has oh, a yeah. good body or what and he says and he's a fucking ed Gein. exactly he's like <laughs> do you remember you know what ed Gein said about a uh, said about a woman and stuff and it's that yeah. quote where he's like i see a woman walking down the street and part of me wants things. yeah one i want to i want to take them out and talk to them and get to know them and the other thing I think is how their head would look on a pole. Yeah, <laughs> like, so, and, then, like, and, then he just, and then he just laughs. Yeah, they all like. Oh uh, my God. Everybody just kind of glosses over it and like, and like, oh, this, we're going to pretend not, that didn't. Happen. This is not a problem at all. Uh, and then later too, whenever um, I think it's Gene is that back at his apartment and stuff, and he talks about, he's like, you know what, Ted Bundy's first dog was named, uh, and she's like, who's Ted Bundy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, he's, he's like, like genuinely you know enraged that. that she doesn't know who Ted Bundy is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, so there's these sequences too with uh, with the sex workers uh, that I think also have some of the most iconic kills. Um, the first one is like the one you're talking about, where it's our first encounter with uh, quote unquote Christy, um, where he brings her along and then has another like call girl come, call girl. Um, and we get those yeah those first sex scenes where he's like you know showing off to himself in the mirror and then he does some horrible stuff to them off screen and they um, they leave, mm-hmm. uh, and then in the next sequence with. Uh, the sex workers they he calls christy again and convinces her to get back in the car and that that whole thing was like pretty tragic too just yeah. watching like oh, yeah, she's just like throwing enough money at her yeah because she reconsiders she gets out of the car at one point yeah. and then like gets back in 
after he like convinces her with enough money like and a check and they go back to his new apartment um this is where we actually get a, a cameo so the other actor right. who's uh which is uh yeah that's guinevere um yeah Turner. it's the screen screenwriter the, the screenwriter mm-hmm. yeah um there's a Man, the, just on the subject of what you just said about like, why did she get back in the car? Like, and obviously there's a money situation, mm-hmm. but there's like this great fucking quote in um, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm. Whenever, um, uh, what's his name? Stone Skarsgård has, you know, uh, Daniel Craig down in the basement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, I didn't make you come back in the house. Why did you? <laughs> and he's like, you know why? Because people are, af- are more afraid of being impolite than they are afraid of dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, he's like, all that I had to do is invite you back in and insist. And you came back in, mm-hmm. even though you knew that you shouldn't. Yeah. It's such a weird, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, the things that compel us, even though we're all afraid of dying, but it's like, it's like, yeah, this guy's a psychopath, but like, uh, I don't want to be it's rude. It's going to be really uncomfortable if I'm mean to him. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the, the things that drive us. Even how many situations in horror movies too that revolve around that, like answering the fucking door when somebody knocks on it, even though you're home alone or like weird shit. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I just That's had to a, touch on that. That was interesting. It's thing. rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, in this, in this scenario too, like they go back to his house and this is where we get like the next most famous murder sequence. Um, where you know they're all drinking wine and he basically laces their wine with i don't mm. know some maybe like ecstasy or something at um, this point they're at paul allen's house though right is that paul allen's house that's you're probably it is, right yeah, yeah. No, he says, goes, this is yeah. nicer than your old he apartment says, he's not like not nice. really no <laughs> shut up he's so pissed <laughs> yeah um, also like paul allen's this the one this threw me off they go there right they go yeah. to paul allen's apartment which he has a key from because he took the key from him after mm-hmm. he killed him supposedly mm. yeah that's nobody is checking on it nobody has like there's no surveillance yeah he's been missing for x amount of time and christian and bateman is just like going in and out of the building into mm-hmm. his apartment yeah because well, let's talk about right. it because like in this sequence i think this is where we bring up that the biggest point right because so we launch off on this crazy awesome murder sequence right where like mm-hmm. they're kind of it's all three of them you know getting in bed and like doing stuff um the sex worker christy kind of like slips out. out she's like i know what direction this is going and it's not good mm-hmm. um Oof. and then and just throws the other model girl under the bus yeah. like, <laughs> um who is just, like a friend of patrick bateman's though like yeah, he, yeah they know each other together from something they else a showing like some yeah was it like a play or a musical or something like that, that something they met at? Yeah. yeah, something happens off screen, but it's implied that like Patrick Bateman bit a piece of her off oh, uh, yeah. in a way. Oh, yeah. Underneath yeah. the sheets. Yeah, the, yeah. the sheet starts to fill with blood. And, yeah. Um, it's an unsettling image for sure. Yeah, and so uh, Christy takes off and uh, he starts chasing her naked and somehow, yeah, he, he whips out a chainsaw and starts running down the hallway. Um, she opens like all these various doors and that's where we start seeing all of the other like dead bodies hanging up with references to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which yeah. was also, mm-hmm. ref- sorry, referenced earlier he's he's doing crunches to texas chainsaw massacre earlier oh, in the yeah. movie oh yeah uh, it, well, while it's playing in the background on screen and he's yeah. just like pumping away yeah but uh so she runs around he and either they... watches porn or texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> while he works out it's one of the two it's one or the other <laughs> um 
and then so yeah she's running through this apartment and there we see a lot of bodies there's mm-hmm. there's like two in the closet there's like another one in a, like a bathroom and then like a basement has like se- several others mm-hmm. uh and then she finally makes it out to a stairwell and starts running down a spiral you know, various flights of stairs yeah. and then we get that great shot of him like tracking her with the chainsaw, with the chainsaw. like how you see the time <laughs> dropping it yeah which good shot man dude it's a Impressive. yeah physic from a physics standpoint impressive yeah. ballistic that was a ballistic anomaly like yeah. it's uh, yeah it's crazy hey, he manages to to yeah spike her with the chainsaw yeah. from 10 stories up or something what um, is it what does I it think say on the wall and uh, die yuppie scum yeah die, yuppie scum okay yeah. i was trying to figure that out and i couldn't i couldn't figure it out yeah mm-hmm. but then this so this whole sequence happens right um and then later so you know patrick bateman's whole world starts unraveling he becomes more and more manic um but that's the thing is like so this entire thing happens and the believability of, of like the fact that like he would be able to do all of that without anybody else in the building, you know, having anything to say. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. She's slamming think, on doors and mm-hmm. he's running through the halls with a chainsaw. Yeah, I think there's a commentary to be found in that about like the bystander mm-hmm. principle. Right. Where these people like the last thing people in an apartment building like that, this mm-hmm. fancy overlooking the park. Um, living complex would want is to be involved in something like that. Yeah. So none of them are going to open the door. I mean, it's no New York stuff, what. right? Yeah, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, you I'm not fucking yeah. part of this. No yeah. way. Just keep running. Well, yeah. there's, Check uh, the next door. God, I'm just a quote machine today from other movies. Um, there's that. There's that line in Seven, one of my favorite movies of mm-hmm. all time, by the way, uh, where uh, the where what's his name Morgan Freeman says to Brad Pitt at one point he says like you know first thing they tell you in you know rape prevention is don't yell rape you know you, will, mm-hmm. you yell rape nobody cares but you yell, yell fire, fire people come running mm-hmm. you know it's another thing an interesting mm-hmm. examination of human nature like our desensitization to helping others and like oh, I don't want to I don't want to get somebody involved else with that. somebody else will deal with it yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that, the cops will show up right mm-hmm. like that's not my problem. And then, so the other, and I guess another more, I don't know if it's more or less cynical, is the idea that, uh, the larger idea for the entire story of whether or not this is all happening in his head or not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, how many yeah, people... because that switch, so everything, all the kills leading up to this point are almost ritualistic, mm-hmm. and they're very confined to a specific place, mm-hmm. um, they're very meticulous, but then, this, like, you see that room that says "Die Yuppie Scum" on the wall, mm-hmm. and it's there's just shit all over the place. Like, yeah, it's he's scattered at yeah, this point. Yeah, it's berserk, you know, and, stuff. and that's not the Bateman that we're shown leading up to that point. Yeah, everything right. else is the majority very, of the film is very calculated. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then this idea of the larger, so like, especially the way the ending ties up, right? So after like this murder sequence. Um, I guess we get, you know, he he goes and he has like the dinner with Evelyn, right, or the lunch with Evelyn, where he's trying to like tell her. It's that same kind of like recurring bit that he does, where mm-hmm. they're having like a regular conversation, and to demonstrate how like nobody is ever really listening to what anybody else is saying, he's constantly like, working in like. I have yeah. intense homicidal urges. I need to murder constantly. And she's just like, oh, we'll talk about it later. Like kind of thing. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, I can see it's, it's, I don't know. There's something weirdly like relatable about that too, where you do find that when you're going through like random conversations with your friends and stuff, or like mm-hmm. when, you know, you're painting by numbers with conversations, how often something like that can happen where you could drop just in any random say, yeah. yeah. Um, you but, just keep saying, damn, that's crazy. Yeah. Right? Damn, how many, that's how, crazy. how many damn that's crazy. Can you say before we get out of this? Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> damn that's crazy uh, 
but they have that sequence where like he he actually breaks up with evelyn he's like no it's over i have to go return some videotapes and like gets out of there it's uh, always the video it's always the fucking videotapes i love man. that that's always his out yeah you can't use that anymore it's not a no. not a real thing i gotta um, go drop off my red box dvds what the fuck where's the red box it's right around why the corner you, man why are you going to red box yeah right yeah so that's the thing is like somebody would think you were fucking insane it's like why don't you just rent it from amazon like a normal yeah. person i have a coworker <laughs> that yeah still gets he gets blu-rays in the mail from netflix seriously yeah I and mean, that's cool yeah that's a, i mean it is nostalgia. but it makes this this guy he also like he's super private about his private life like okay. nobody knows exactly how old he is and he won't tell anyone and nobody knows actually where he lives. Well, that's, this it's just like a general. This is very creepy. Yeah. So I'm calling the police. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he gets uh, <laughs> he gets his movies in the mail. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Patrick Bateman gets out of uh, he runs off from that dinner, and I think this is where like the the spiraling starts to happen, right? Um, yeah. mm. What's his next? He murders. Oh yeah, he's like getting cha- money from an ATM or like about to like murder a kitten or something. Feed says the, the ATM, ATM says feed me the cat. Oh yeah, that's feed right. Me the stray cat. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the first. I think that's the first real hint that they're trying to throw at you that like he's losing his mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not reality that they're showing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah we're getting like the ultimate um unreliable narrator vibes yeah at this point and we're like because uh, up to this point he's narrating the whole thing everything that's going through mm-hmm. his head and now we're realizing we shouldn't be listening to, to the narration mm-hmm. because it doesn't align with what's happening happening right yeah. in whatever reality we're tr- meant to believe right i guess it's worth mentioning like we skipped over the scene that he has with gene um where he he, I guess that maybe it was the day after murdering um, Christy, right? Mm-hmm. He's like in the in the office the next day, like clearly hung over, filling out his crossword and just writing bone and meat and bone <laughs> and meat on the crossword. Yeah. Uh, and then he invites his secretary out to dinner and they go and meet at his place first for cocktails. And uh, that's where he resists the urge to blow her brains out with a nail gun. Mm-hmm. Like he's standing behind her and then they get a phone call and he's like, it weirdly takes the edge off and he, he lets her go saying that he can't control himself. Um, but it's mm-hmm. put in the guise of like, I can't stop, you know, from having sex with you or something. Yeah. Um, and then he has to go have lunch with Willem Dafoe um, where we get like the last interview with Willem Dafoe about his alibi, right. And whether or not it checks out. And how the other guys in the office said that he was at dinner with them and or like he mm-hmm. wasn't and he had something else going on. But it seems like he's kind of getting off scot free uh, in that yeah. situation. I thought that was another hint to him losing his mind. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. him being like, oh, yeah, I was there. Yeah. yeah. Or like him it being could like, no, be they that. said you were there. Or they could have been covering for him. Or, or they were mistaking or somebody else. They thought him. it was Marcus Hamburger's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, Marcus Hamburger was there. Yeah. Because then when he talks to the lawyer at the end, mm-hmm. he gets confused for somebody else yeah. again, for Davis. Yeah. Which I heard they're, they're a lot more clear about in the book. Like throughout the book, they, they mistakenly identify people all the time yeah mm-hmm. I, I, it's hinted at several times like in the movie yeah because i haven't read the book in the movie it's hinted at enough times that you like by the end i was like okay this is a thing that continuously happens yeah it's whenever they're out to dinner or lunch or something they're like is that davis or is that you know or is that paul allen or is that you know whatever mm-hmm. in the distance and stuff and it's like the idea that they're all just trying to like see who's well, who, who all's gonna be there like mm-hmm. kind of thing who's at the who's at doors yeah, yeah right um 
but yeah, he goes through that this, this entire last like bizar- like crazy berserk sequence where he like murders an old lady, like shoots a cop, like murders like a couple other people, like a doorman mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, and even he is somewhat suspended in disbelief at this point. Yeah, when he has the shootout with the cops, and we're led to believe that he's like a crack shot mm-hmm. and explodes the car, and he briefly looks down at the gun like, "What the did hell I just the fucking fuck am I? Do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he's." I mean, I think that really pointed out that mm-hmm. like he's completely snapped, mm-hmm. and we're either in a dream sequence or this is just not reality. Like, yeah, at I don't, all. like yeah. when he looked, he does. It's really brief, but he just like tips the gun to the side and looks down like, yeah. what the fuck?" And then yeah. just continues on his way. And then he goes up and makes his uh, phone call to his lawyer, where he admits to murdering like everybody. <laughs> it's just I love mm-hmm. him trying to go through the grocery list of like all the fucking people he's murdering. He's like, it was yeah. two two sex workers. It was I don't know some people down yeah. at the bar. Because he's so cal- so calculated Allen. about everything. And yeah. He's like, I've killed twenty, maybe forty. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he gets to the part about like he's like I. I tried to cook some of her brains and make a meatloaf out of it. Like yeah. that was a little, I was telling Blake earlier, that was a subtle reference to some of the darker stuff that happens in the book with like necro cannibalism and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's a yeah. Good thing because he that. tries to bite Christie's leg as well. Yeah. He's chasing her down. Yeah. There's a little reference to it there. Um, but uh, yeah, then the whole thing. So that whole crazy sequence Actually, like unravels. The- it puts the opening credits in perspective as well. Oh, like the decks. Yeah. It's all like the, the food blood stuff. dripping, but it's actually like a raspberry puree or yeah. something on the plate with the meat. Yeah. And there's a, <laughs> the ones I remember because this is one of the weird grosser scenes from the book and stuff, but like in the book, he has a, a couple of different instances where he like tries to microwave small animals um, mm. and just like they explode in his microwave and stuff. And then he does the same thing where he has like, somebody who's like in a very Dahmer-esque situation like where their craniums removed and he's like mm-hmm. scooping their brains out while they're still alive and doing some yeah it's like some very Hannibal like Dahmer yeah. like crazy shit oh um, yeah because there's a shot of uh the chick the blonde chicks her her head's in the fridge yeah when he's yeah. uh Which that's actually that's almost like a straight reference to Dahmer because mm-hmm. he, yeah. he did he kept people's heads in his fridge mm-hmm. yeah and things like that. well and Gein too yep yeah yeah there was that that actress his apparently hero. just like stuck her head through like the back, the back of wall. the fridge or something yeah to get that shot like to make it effective or mm-hmm. whatever um <laughs> oh, that's awesome yeah <laughs> that <laughs> it is... wasn't a like it wasn't a prosthetic or anything or wasn't a model. that is like yeah we uh, couldn't afford I... the prosthetic we're actually gonna have your head in the yeah, fridge just put, just put this plastic yeah. bag over your face million dollar budget <laughs> because we don't have Leo, so stick your head in there. Yeah, that's great. Sunday scaries. Um, in the I will say too, like in the entire last sequence, all the, the berserk thing. There is the one one last thing that I remember from the book that was always really interesting to me was uh, they shift. Um, uh, perspective constantly whenever he's going in and out of these fits of like these murderous like berserker fits uh, especially towards the end where he speaks in first person like the narrator is speaking in first person uh, and then events start happening and spiraling out of control and then he'll be like and then Patrick went and then Patrick Bateman oh, went to this and I didn't catch that it's a it's a weird thing yeah it's it's in the like I remember in the last couple chapters of the book or whenever this whole sequence is happening I might be wrong but I, I remember that's like how they kind of translate showing how he becomes detached from himself or from reality or something and so mm-hmm. you, you begin to suspect that like yeah. it's either like a story he's telling himself yeah where it's like a Jekyll and Hyde Mm-hmm. type of situation yeah going on. and that's exactly like yeah so bateman for instance right that's where yeah, the bates. name comes from is from yeah from uh, norman bates mm-hmm. um that's why he's called patrick bateman um christian bale as the bateman yeah yeah the pre-batman yeah bateman. um but then we get to the ending here and yeah he 
finds himself at lunch with like you know all of all the same crew and stuff and he mm-hmm. sees his lawyer in the distance and goes and tries to confess and be like hey did you get my phone call and the lawyer is like yeah i got it it was a hilarious joke davis and is mistaking him for somebody else like but patrick bateman is such a dork he would never like you know do something crazy he could like never that murder people. He's, a yeah. Loser. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's like no this is not a joke i i am patrick bateman i murdered those people <laughs> and he says i murdered paul allen he's like that's impossible i just had dinner with paul allen twice in london last week and so this whole thing of like beginning to wonder is like all right was it all in his head the entire time or is like was some of it in his head or just the ending or like mm-hmm. i don't know well i mean the another thing too that we kind of like skipped over is that there's a helicopter looking for him yeah, yeah. The, with the spotlight with the trained spotlight on his on office, his office. Yeah. Yeah. and then he's but, back at the office the next yeah, day yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hey, no, he, he just shows him waking up the next morning like showering scrubbing himself off i'm like you don't get away in that situation no. in real life. Like no, they've got you five stars. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. no, no way. <laughs> so that's when I was like, huh? You know, yeah. you know, I was like, wait a minute, hold on. What's going on here? Yeah. And it is kind of one of these things where it's like, I don't know. So as far as like the, the thematic elements of the movie go and the idea of this sort of like the, the hyper being bought, the incarnation of like a hyper capitalist, like completely dispassionate, like I can do whatever I want and get away with it. And like detached from society thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one one argument would be like it, it kind of cheapens it if it's the idea that it's like he he is getting away with it because it was all in his head like it, it almost like I don't know I don't know where to land on that like whether it's it's kind of like the same conversation about like with ready or not that we had where it's like does it yeah. does it undercut like the metaphor if, if, mm-hmm. if it is just this guy not being like if he's not literally doing all of these things and as an allegorical figure being a character that is like the embodiment of the vicious like nature of you know capitalism. 80s capitalism and, yeah. and, and all that like does it cheapen it by saying oh it, it's it's all in his head and people like this don't really mm-hmm. do that it's just sort of a yeah. you know a thing and I, I do know a couple people asked mary heron mm-hmm. why she didn't go into more of like the psychological aspect of it because we briefly see him taking pills prescribed to him right. by what we yeah. assume is a psych- yeah. psychiatrist. psychiatrist or something. The whole bottle specifically. He downs the <laughs> yeah, bottle. Yeah, I, I was like, dude, you're going to die. Okay, <laughs> yeah. But okay. Right. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Well, and he he seems to know a bit about psychotropic drugs because that other girl, the pill head, who's dating Louise or Louis. Oh yeah, um, is like his ideal woman. Yeah, uh, um, the one he's he's banging. Yeah, he's like saying take some more lithium. Like he understands yeah. these How psychiatric drugs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Mary Heron said that she shied away from that because that wasn't the point. That, yeah, that he's just crazy. Right? Yeah, it it really um, isn't the point. Mm-hmm. Whether he is or is not crazy is actually not the point at all. Yeah, it's that the idea that he could do these things and get away with it or even think that he could just get away with doing these things, even if he didn't get away with it. Yeah. Um, is a real, you know, once you get to a certain echelon of, of power and it's that seeps into your brain and you're that disconnected from reality. Oh yeah. And like but also like how close you are to being able to do it, mm-hmm. even if you actually haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. You and know, I think- maybe i think it's it it can partly be that but i also think it's like the idea of like him being the personification of of like a corporation right Mm -hmm. it's like it's that whole thing with the you know uh like the citizens united like the criticisms of of the idea of like corporations as people is being like well what we learn is like if a corporation were were a person it would be a fucking psychopath like Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the whole point is like 
if you if you had a human being who behaved in the way that like you know unfettered like hedge fund free market you know finance shit works yeah without restrictions would, put on it yeah without without any restrictions or without any any impulse control at all or anything when it just functions purely as a you know a, a, a profit supply, machine yeah a profit machine or like a self um a, a uh, uh, not pleasure like yeah gratification machine yeah, self-aggrandizing yeah, yeah it would that's it, this is what it would be it would just spiral into a like a murderous ball of mayhem um mm. and i think that it's that's never been punished yeah or there's it, no there's no way to punish it like yeah. there's no way to like you which know, he mentions at the end that mm-hmm. he's like this punishment that he's been seeking mm-hmm. he does he's not seeking get. it and he'll, he won't ever get it yeah it's like and i think that that's because i think regardless of whether or not it's like an actual like character or like placed within our world getting away with these things mm-hmm. i think that that's more of the of the thing it's like the idea is that this is what it would be and this is how you show what like as an allegory like just like the way you know giant corporations can go and do whatever they want and cause death and mayhem and do horrible things this individual character is is doing the same thing he's a, he's at least placeholder yeah at yeah. least in concept right mm-hmm. and but so put into a perspective mm-hmm. that us as people can understand yeah without having to know like the structure of an actual corporation yeah the fully realized yeah the fully realized version of this metaphor would be if like he if this all did actually happen in the universe of the movie or book but then like somebody helped him get away with it like he had a yes man who fixed it uh, a tax write-off yeah yeah and then and then got a promotion (laughs) or something like and the banks bailed him out (laughs) yeah or something like that that would be like the full realization of the metaphor but i think the idea of like yeah having it like wrapped up in this um in this confusing sort of you know slasher mystery thriller story Mm. um it's it's yeah it doesn't take away from anything but it's just it's art it's you know a good method like kind of like interesting way of doing storytelling yeah um the idea i think that's one of the the best parts Mm -hmm. after watching this film you could take it several different ways like Mm -hmm. we could keep talking about this for and analyzing it yeah and write a book about the different perspectives you could look at this film mm-hmm. from. Um, but I think, great. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's about, because at the end of the day, like I'm, you know, as we love getting in the weeds about this stuff, but it's all about just enjoying it. And I think that there's something entertaining at least about, yeah, about having that mystery be added to it. Um, like in the same way, like, like we said, we talked about with ready or not, where it's like mm-hmm. the idea that like, the family at the end of the, the story actually did explode. Like, you know, there mm-hmm. was that weird supernatural element and it doesn't that ended up being real. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, that would be like the version of like in this movie, right. Where it's like, Oh, they actually get, or it, it does that cheapen the metaphor or the allegory. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you, you're still kind of getting all the central elements. Like you don't have to yeah. have your, but it makes it language. more entertaining yeah. when they all explode. Yeah. Again. And there's <laughs> giant blood bursts everywhere. It's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, this movie, like, I don't know. I, I didn't realize how much I was going to like, be made to think by this movie again on the second time watching or like these times watching it for this mm-hmm. um for some reason when i put this in the watch list i was like yeah that'll just be a fun one to like you know get through because yeah. christian bale is like amazing me too i'm like this will be fun to yeah. revisit and now i'm like kind of i'm, I'm more of a communist than I've ever been yeah, i know i'm a little life. sad and i'm all a little like i'm like ah oh, oh, what a great like, like looking at my dsa socialist of america yeah, right. card in my wallet <laughs> like i love you That's... i don't have any money in here but i have this <laughs> Um, the one, the one scene we were talking about it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one scene that always messes with me is when he's, you know, going to go back into the apartment, um, Paul Allen's apartment. Yeah, he puts on the mask, thinking he's just going to, you know, he's going to clean up his mess. It's going to be a bloodbath, and he puts on the mask, and he goes in there, and you know, obviously everything is uh, just 
painted over and looks like pristine the whole place has white. been pristine white. Been like redone. his first apartment. Yeah. Because um, Paul Allen's apartment had color. And yeah, had decoration wood, and stuff. grain and yeah. edging. But now it's completely white and pure, mm-hmm. like his apartment at the beginning. And he's very confused. And, you know, the, the realtor walks up to him and she says, you know, do, are, you, are you here because of the ad in the Times? And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, there wasn't an ad in the Times. She kind yeah. of, like, fakes him yeah. out. She said, don't and then he kind of is like, trouble or something. Yeah, like. yeah. Like, and it, it just has, I mean... It could mean be it could really be anything because like mm-hmm. he's obviously a unreliable narrator at this point. We know that, so we yeah. it could this could also be a lie. This could also be made up. We don't know, mm-hmm. but I mean it's like. But they hint th- at they it enough hint- that it makes you like that little look she gives him. Yeah, when she's like, and also don't, don't come ca- back. Yeah. yeah, don't cause any trouble. It, yeah. it just has this, which vibe follows through of, with the whole corporation metaphor yeah. thing. I guess, kinda, yeah, like, cleaning up people's messes yeah. and things mm-hmm. like that. Cover. She's the fixer. You know, yeah. she's the fixer. Yeah, yeah like it. It definitely gave me that vibe, mm-hmm. and it makes it more fun for me to believe that that happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like yeah, I, I, like the lawyer hired her, yeah. to go fix up the apartment and resell it or re the condo resell it. Yeah, and that's and why then, he has that. But extremely... they can't talk about it. Yeah, because that would imply guilt. Yeah, and so he exactly. just acts like it was a joke the whole yeah. time. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof, I don't know. And then because in the brain. look, because in the look on his face at the end too, when when Patrick's like. No, I did this. Like mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. this is real, and this the look he on his very face stern. of like I'm like, very uncomfortable with this. He's like, I don't want to keep talking about this. It's like, okay, I plead the fifth. Oof, yeah, yeah, they yeah. they toe the line really, really Just well. Just like mm-hmm. Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, wow. it go. all comes together. <laughs> what a timely. Yeah, yeah, this is a great time all to be recording this episode. Because I, guess. Uh, I read the other day, it was a an article that included a tweet that showed Trump like a few years ago saying that only the the mob pleads the fifth because mm-hmm. they know they're guilty. <laughs> and then it was juxtaposed with him pleading the fifth just the other day. <laughs> yeah, just the other day. <laughs> also, a buddy sent me a, a video last night of somebody flying a biplane over Mar-a-Lago right now with like a letters behind it. Oh, yeah. And it just says, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and they're just doing circles around Mar-a-Lago. That's amazing. I love it. What a time to All be right, alive. That's an aside. But Guys, I just yeah. had to share those two things because it's hilarious. Oh. Uh, yeah, I man, like I said, I wasn't expecting uh, how much. Like I knew I liked this movie, but I just I don't know why it just hit mm-hmm. different today, and it was uh, a. Yeah. The, the one thing that maybe I'll go research this a little bit more, but the one thing in the movie that I didn't really get was when he pulled the hair out of his pocket, and he's fondling. Oh. He demands that the the call girl's blonde. And then he has kept some blonde hair in his pocket that he's like fondling at one point, which almost makes me. And then he mentions Gein, right? Yeah. But he, in the movie, we never talk about the family. I don't know if mm-hmm. they talk about his family in the book. He has, so he has more family in the book. Uh, he's estranged from his brother and his and his mother actually. Yeah, like a like mm-hmm. like a lot like a uh, Gein. And his dad is like the CEO of. Of the business, of, yeah. Right? Um, he got the job because of his dad. Yeah, there is some Gein esque elements to that too. Because like, that's what it made me think of him, like fondling that blonde hair. Yeah. And then he brings up Gein later. I'm like, is this a mommy thing? That yeah, we're, we're like at this thing that he has. Like that's why he hates specifically these blonde women so yeah. much. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I wish I could say that I intentionally did this, but I did kind of fall backward into having yeah, the Ed Gein references for this, which will like, make a nice th- cohesive think, run think, for the rest yeah. of the series. But. I mean, he, I think, I think the, we got to play the hits. I, know, yeah. <laughs> I think the blonde hair thing is, uh, it's like, a, I mean, it's a trophy thing, yeah. obviously, but it, yeah. I think it's, I think it's the woman that he basically 
killed the night before. Right. That was at the club, mm-hmm. and he says, she's like, what are you into? And he says, murders and executions. And she yeah. Says, murders and acquisitions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, think all models are dumb. The, yeah. But that's and the she's chick. like, that's fine. That's the chick yeah. with the, the, the head in the fridge. Yeah. So I think it's just a, mm-hmm. a trophy okay. from her. Yeah. That, that's, that's at least why I took yeah, it. Yeah, there's nice. nothing specific that's coming to mind, but I, like I said, it's been a while since I read the book. But I, I do know, yeah, like like I said, there is a lot more body horror like mm-hmm. in the book um, that's not present in this, where it is like him like removing pieces of people's bodies mm-hmm. and stuff and keeping them as souvenirs. Gotcha. Um, it is much more, yeah, Guillain or Domer-esque. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, that that was one thing that they wisely chose to omit from the book. So I think the most subtle way they could do it was with that, like mm-hmm. the hair and then the head and in the, the biting, fridge. And the biting. Yeah. 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 Like the um, pseudo cannibalistic. We've made, yeah. we've made a lot of references to serial killers. So I have kind of like a, a question because mm-hmm. I read that there have been a couple serial killers that have been caught that have had copies of this book like at their place. Yeah. I'd... So I guess my question I wanted to ask you guys is like, if we could like sit the writer here right now, mm-hmm. you know, and ask him, uh, you know, questions, I guess like one of my mm-hmm. questions I think would be like, do you, uh, does it keep you up at night worrying that maybe this book ended up enabling some people's worst mm-hmm. tendencies? Cause it kind of, or like bringing it, it, their fantasy it, to yeah, the forefront in a satirical way. It kind of like glorifies giving into your dark fantasies. You, you can take it that way. I think at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's, so, that's the difficult thing always with like, yeah. you know, when we talk about anything that has inflammatory content in it, yeah. like uh, in you know some of the reviews of the movie that I was like reading and stuff, they reference other books like *Tropic of Cancer* or *Lolita* or like some of this mm-hmm. other content where it's like you can never you never have control over how the public is going to consume your art, yeah. and there's always going to be those bad faith or people who miss the point. There's and no purity in art. Yeah, you could argue. Yeah, and I think that's yeah that's something difficult. Just like you know, just like the whole like the idea that first person shooters make people, you know, more violent or something. Mm. There's, oh, yeah. There was a review that I read that used that as a reference point and like oh. talked about, it, but use that know, in like the context. Travis and I play Call of Duty. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it I, is something that's difficult, but I think, I think, I don't know, maybe Ellison would probably just mm-hmm. prop it up to that general argument and say it's, well, it's, you know, you yeah. can't control what people do with your art. Um, yeah. yeah. And as we said, like at the very beginning of this, if you identify with, Bateman, like you're fucked already. Yeah, you have yeah. a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, that became an issue in Toronto specifically because they were filming in Toronto and there was a serial murderer and rapist. Yes, in Toronto, I forget his name. Um, I can't remember I, either. If you go to the, like the Wikipedia article, it'll come up. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I remember. But that's that why too. there was a lot of protests there because they're like, this guy literally had this book and killed all these women. Yeah, and now you're making a movie. Yeah, glorifying it even more. Like, yeah. what, what's mm-hmm. going to happen specifically after you guys in do Toronto? This? Like. Yeah. I think, you know, you said that if you identify with Bateman, you're fucked. And, you know, what's weird is, like, I obviously don't identify with Bateman. That would be a stretch. But mm-hmm. I I do understand the aspect of, like, of his character being at odds with his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, and, they, there's some sympathy yeah. there. Because the, sure, pe- the like people that. around him are maddening, you mm-hmm. know. So yeah. it's under it's very understandable to hate. It's very under- understandable for him to like hate, detest, and even want to harm these people because they're yeah. just such shallow, detestable creatures, you mm-hmm. know. But he's immersed himself in that culture too at the same time. So yeah. it's like yeah. so. There's he clearly also enjoys this, but he also rails against it. It's and then also it's kills helpless people at the same time. That's what time. I was yeah. going to say. It would, be, it would be a different version of this book is like a more satisfying thing where he's like murdering all of where his like fellow. Like, yeah, yeah, where exactly. he's killing like the bad capitalists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, 
But then I would be like, hell yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> interesting. It's a... <laughs> that is what the sequel But I, I think yeah. that's what the... That is, I, you know, it reinforces the, you know, the main themes of the book, though. It's like his, his murderous urges, he understands that, like, the people around him he thinks of as, like, actually being people. But, like, you know, the sex workers that he hires and stuff aren't mm-hmm. human beings. They're just, they're yeah. just trophies. They're, they're objects lesser, for him to exploit. Of... Yeah. Uh, Which <clears throat> I actually... I'm going to try to be purposely vague about this one, but... I mentioned several times, like, now, at this point in my life, I've met people like that, mm-hmm. right? And Oof. this last week, I had somebody that I know and work with refer to... You know who you are. Some Well, they're not going to listen to this. <laughs> um, they don't even listen to me when I speak, which is pretty much like I could say I'm into murders and executions, and they wouldn't even respond. Um <laughs> refer to somebody as like a lesser class yeah like that they were they were on a flight and were in coach Mm -hmm. and how like there's so many fat people Mm -hmm. and it was discussed like it's not the same it's like a lesser class of people yeah and it just as i was watching this this was like two days after i heard this overheard this conversation at work and i'm like these people are they're still around. Like, yeah. It's not that satiric. Like, yeah. obviously, they're not, they're not all out there murdering people all the time. But mm-hmm. like, people still think these things. Oh yeah. And a weird enough to say for, them yeah. in public. And a like, weird like, man, you just put a stamp on it. Moment, you know, like circle back. Like that's what this movie is about. It's about yeah. the dangers of capitalism. How it mm-hmm. makes us all perceive and look at each other mm-hmm. based on our status and our income. You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. really at the root of what this movie and this, I guess, this book is about, mm-hmm. you know. And in my head, I was like, you booked a flight and coach, idiot. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What'd you expect? Yeah. 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 Not, uh. not like, what did you expect? But, like, you were in the same place as <laughs> Yeah. Them. Yeah, he still, had, he still had to get on the flight. Yeah. Hey, in his defense, up? you know, I think we all hate flying coach, but you know, we don't look at the people back there as lesser than. No, we're all just <laughs> no, suffering no, just together. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, all all together. we're all in this together. I deserved this. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel also I feel... it was a flight from Dallas to Austin, oh, and I was God. like, "Here's oh what God, you, you do. Anybody, <laughs> anybody that can, even if you're flying from Dallas to Austin, the people that pay for a flight from Dallas to Austin tells you a lot about those them. are not lower class people. Yeah." My, I'm getting in my They're fucking in car and I'll drive over there. I'll drive back the same day. Like, yeah. it's, it's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God. Yeah, I'm glad. That, thanks for watching this movie with me, though. Yeah. I was excited about this one. Like I said, I examined this one a lot. Yeah, more. it caught me. Like I said, it caught me off guard because I, I had, didn't anticipate wanting to get into this one so much. But it's a, yeah, it's a banger. Yeah, it, it is, kind of sure. holds up pretty well. Yeah. Um, thanks for giving me a reason to revisit it. Yeah, yeah for real. Of course. Thanks for saying that. Same for me. Um, you guys seen anything else really good lately? You want to go first, Blake? Ooh. Or okay. anything really bad? Alternatively, or anything really bad. Yeah, we never we never anti recommend stuff on here as um, much as I. Think I know. I'm trying to think of like what I recommend, which is I th- nice. I, th- I like being mostly positive. I think I recommended Watcher, mm-hmm. which I still recommend. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Blackbird was honestly a great show. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's over now. Oh yeah, I haven't caught like, that yet. Still, man, it's like critics love it. It's just it's a, man, it's it's good. Mm-hmm. The performances are good. Just the. The not knowing the nature of like what are lies and what are the things we tell ourselves and like what is truth that it kind of bounces back and forth between is really great. Um, I I'm trying to think if I've seen anything really great. I don't I don't really think I have to be honest. <laughs> but um, you know I'm you know I'm gearing up for uh, uh, what am I thinking of? like medieval 
It's a medieval time of year. Oh, it's, it's high like, fantasy time. High, high fantasy yeah. time. Yeah. Game of Thrones is coming out and then followed quickly by Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I'm, I'm a I'm a huge Tolkien enthusiast, which is another nice way of saying nerd. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so I'm a fucking nerd. loser. Um, Just like the rest of yeah, us. Baby. Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm not a fucking nerd. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm literally. I don't, I don't run say. a horror podcast. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm, I'm like, I'm literally listening to the Silmarillion on audiobook right now. Hell and yeah. just like to gear up for it. And it's like, you know, I I love high fantasy. So I'm, oh, I'm yeah. excited mm-hmm. about it's it. Gonna, it's going to be, be a good fall. Yeah. I think. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, no. I'm you gearing see, up for that. You see anything new? Uh, I saw Bullet Train yesterday. Dude, Ooh. yeah, I saw you post about that. And it was you super beat me, yeah, entertaining. You beat us to it. Yeah. It was super entertaining. Awesome. Um, I've heard it just know, understands what it is. It, yeah, it's, it's like, extremely yeah. self-aware. They have like a lot of throwbacks, like some nostalgia bits in there to other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of great cameos. Yeah. yeah who's, what's the um, name of the guy from Kick-Ass again? I always forget. Um, he's the main one. Aaron main... Tyler Johnson. Is that who it is? Yeah, yeah. he has the mustache mm-hmm. and bullet train. Yeah. And him him yeah. and uh, Brian Tyree whatever. They're, uh, they're, they're brothers? They're they're twins. <laughs> they're twins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's like a running bit throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, because... Well, look him up. Look yeah. at a picture. You'll figure it out. <laughs> but the trailer is hilarious. So I can't and wait it, to no, see it where it he's was, like, dude, I don't even know you. When yeah. he's like picking him up and throwing him over the bar. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, it just gets unhinged really quickly. Yeah. Um, great, just like heist film, basically. Yeah. Um, like I said, a lot of great cameos. Bad Bunny is in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, he kills it. His character is fucking great, and he nails it. I'm um, coming around on Bad Bunny, man. Yeah. He was he played the uh, the All Star game, the MLB or uh, uh, the uh, celebrity All Star game softball mm-hmm. game. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see that? Well, yeah, yeah, it was him, and with like fucking I don't know, man. That was a hilarious game to watch. But, yeah, he yeah. seems like a cool guy. Yeah, yeah he, he like, does. Um, and I've been listening to some of his stuff at work because uh-huh. our uh, two Peruvian surgeons. Love bad money, so oh, of we course just put they, that yeah. shit on. Yeah, everybody like, loves that. Oh, damn, I can get down with this. <laughs> makes the eight-hour surgery go by real Hell quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Karen He's... Fukuhara from The Boys yeah. also makes a cameo in there oh, as well. Awesome. Um, oh yeah, I'd love, highly recommend I love it. Love Karen Fukuhara. Me too. I they, wish she was. She's in one it more. of the few people from The Boys that I like. I follow on Instagram. Yeah, I'm me like, too. I don't know what she's doing. And like, she's always just having fun. Yeah. So um, cool. They were they were interviewing the brothers, the guys that play the brothers or the twins, and they were asked like Brian Tyree. They were like. Like, you know, what can you say about working with Brad Pitt? And he was he was just like, you know, Brad's just in this phase right now where he just wants to have fun. And you can I, tell and that I, Brad I, is just being Brad. The yeah. whole movie, he's just like <laughs> playing himself. I don't fucking care. Like, yeah. yeah, he's just he's just having the time of his life. He's, you know, you he's like tell. he's in his like latter third of his life, and he's yeah. just kind of like, you know what, man? Like, I've made the the artsy shit. Yeah. I've made the critically. I'm just gonna shit. have fun. Let me just, yeah. And, and arguably, it's a super fun movie. Yeah, and when uh, arguably when Brad Pitt is having fun is when he is the most fun. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, I mean, like you know, Twelve Monkeys, like Glorious Bastards. Like, I yeah, think. Yeah, when like, he's just yeah. when he's just really leaning into the absurdity of of the movie and himself yeah. and this movie he's is the most absurd. enjoyable to watch it that's is awesome. extremely absurd yeah. fucking burn after reading like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> i think that's one of my one of the funnest brad pitt performances uh, oh my god the, i've never i don't think i've ever laughed harder 
than when he comes out of the closet yeah. and just gets that smile on his face. Spoilers. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. But it's, like, it's a twenty-year-old movie. Like, yeah. People should see it. Yeah, it's your fault yeah. at this yeah. point. What a great oh, my cast God. in that movie too. Yeah, Francis McDermott, fucking Malkovich. Yeah, it's so great. I'm gonna watch that movie again too. Yeah, I can't wait to see. And then Michael Shannon shows up at some point as well. Oh fuck yeah! Oh yeah, I think I saw him in the trailer. Uh, yeah, yeah he, that's right. He sh- he's not in most of the film. Mm-hmm. He kind of shows up in the latter third or so, but uh, I'd highly recommend it. Nice. Awesome. And then, Hell yeah. yeah, we're going to see Bodies, Body, Bodies tonight. Yeah. Which you've seen already. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we saw the press screening last week. We did an episode, and it's up on Patreon. So if you mm-hmm. want to go listen to me and Daniel talk about that, uh, we had a long conversation about it because we liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cool. And it was really fun. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see it to again see with it you tonight. guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, I saw, uh, I watched, I think we talked about it on the last episode, but uh, I watched Prey uh, this weekend uh, oh, too. Yeah, it's I on did Hulu. Too. Dude. It. Yeah, I know. I beat you to that one. I was oh, hoping nobody man. would steal it from it me. Yet, Dude, it's, it is it's high up on the list. It is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Like, I, yeah, I really like, like, visual, like, we talked about this in the group in the group chat. Uh, I think uh, about how like that those quotes where everybody's like, "Why don't we just do this with every fucking sci-fi thriller where you take it and just stick it way yeah. back in like the 15th yeah. century just give or it the like full Assassin's Creed treatment?" Yeah, where you're like, "Okay, now put it's the xenomorph yeah. in." medieval like, England like, yeah just throw it in there it's fine yeah put, put the put the ter- make Terminator but make the T-1000 yeah. go back to like the frontier west and <laughs> yeah. have him try to assassinate Sarah Connor's great 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 grandpa or something yeah. and like in, like a Westworld yeah vibe but with that because they, they play in this in this world in such a cool way where this idea of taking you know it's not because there's it's not cynical it's not like using the name of a giant franchise and then like you know for for like a small for name recognition to make like a, an like a subpar movie mm-hmm. the movie is just like it, it it's just them- thematically you know story wise and like performances and everything it's just it's such a fun fucking movie the action in the movie the kills oh, like it's so good. i don't know yeah it's awesome yeah that, that dog is such a good actor dude <laughs> oh yeah yeah best dog actor i've ever seen yeah they say never worked with cats wait. or kids but that dog made it look like it was easy seriously mm-hmm. yeah he was a good boy. He was a good boy. Mm-hmm. But oh, did y'all I, watch it with the Comanche? I watched language it. Dub? I want to watch it with the with the Comanche dub. I watched mm-hmm. it with just like the English dub. Yeah, um, which I've heard, you know, from uh, the indigenous community, like they're stoked about this. That yeah. immediately upon release, when you bring it up on Hulu, it gives you the option Comanche dub right away. Yeah. on release, which like that doesn't happen. Well, I just love that very we're, often. Yeah, I mean, I just love that Hollywood is, is progressing towards being culturally responsible. Like, yeah, you know. Rep- properly representing the people that they're representing and well, and then utilizing yeah. the people from those communities as actors within their yeah, yeah. what's uh I for, i'm sorry i forget the name mm. of the main actor she's a uh, uh her last name is is like something heart or yeah uh, um i forget but and, she's and, also uh, in um she's in something else that came out recently too or that's coming out oh she's gonna be in the uh um live action avatar the last airbender but amber mid oh, thunder wow. yeah mm-hmm. um mid thunder obviously yeah, she's yeah. awesome she's great um, um, and an ironic like tie-in, um, I just got cast in a film that is predominantly uh, Native American. It's going to be filming in Tulsa. Um, mm. so we start next week. It's called Fancy Dance. Nice. We did the we did the digital table read for it yesterday, um, and the director just directed an episode of uh, uh, Reservation Dogs, which oh, is on Hulu. Fuck yeah! Which yeah, yeah. So yeah. I highly so recommend. She, I haven't watched season yeah. two yet, but season one was fucking great. Yeah. yeah. So that's my director. Um, Hell yeah. I'm one of only That's like, I, I want to say I'm one of only three non-Native American people in this film. 
Hell yeah. Um, you yeah, get to be the minority. Yeah, yeah no, but I, I, lo- I loved it, man. Like, I loved it, you know, like, you, That's know, the, awesome. it, you know, we did the the table read and it popped up and I was just like, oh, and then I love seeing it. And I'm like, one of, oh, like, you know, this is <laughs> yeah. awesome. You know, it was great. But um, yeah, I'm excited about that. So I'll have more in future episodes. I'll have more about how that process yeah, yeah, was. I'd love to hear about it. Was. It's going to be, a, my, my scenes are going to be fun. <laughs> they're, they're, are you going to be bruised? Are you going to be bruised afterwards? I'm a very unlikable character. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put it to you that way. I'm excited but, for people to see that side of you. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I'm happy yeah, that you're you like know, one of three white people. And yeah. Like, you're going to fucking unlikable. hate this guy. Yeah. You're gonna fuck, yeah. It's going to, yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, oh, I, d- I did think of one thing that I did watch that I wanted to say though, that uh, I did actually yeah. want to recommend uh, 13 lives. Okay, is on Amazon Prime, and that's with uh, that's Viggo Mortensen and uh, I'm in. Col- Colin Farrell. I'm in even more. Um, and it's directed by Ron Howard. It's about the guys that rescued those kids in Thailand that were deep oh, in the okay. cave. Mm. Um, and Elon, they had Elon they... Musk called them oh. pedophiles. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. it, man, it is an effective film. And Joel like, Edgerton, damn. Yeah, Joel Edgerton's in it. He's great. Um, it's actually really just a really great cast. Um, but man, it. <laughs> Those guys have balls of steel, like those mm. those deep uh, rescue cave divers. Like man, that it, deep and, and the yes. camera the camera really does a really good job. The the cinematographer of like they like they are underwater and they're squeezing through these tight it's spaces. Fucking like, terrifying. It is, having, like, man, my, my palms were give Tyler anxiety. the entire movie. Yeah, I'm having a panic attack just thinking about that. <laughs> and then if That's you like know my, that is my nightmare. Yeah, right there. And, and then if you know anything about how they got the kids out, and I hope this isn't really spo- I mean, this it's out there. It happened in real life. It happened in real life. So it's not uh, spoiler. Spoiler. They, you know, you obviously can't have a kid swim for a five hour swim in these caves, so they had to knock them unconscious. They had to basically, you know, sedate anesthesia sedate them and you know the constant like having to re-administer it when they're about to wake up and things like Jesus i mean Christ. it's just man it's, it's it is the, one of like, what the that experience would stories. be like how fucking trippy it would be to be like put under anesthetic and then be birthed from like an underwater cave uh, with yeah. the help the of some of alien form yeah that's crazy oh god yeah it's uh but then also but, <laughs> but it also, it also, it also <laughs> touches on like literally because it was monsoon season in thailand mm-hmm. so they like it wasn't even just that. Like the the guys going in there to get them out. Basically, the entire village band together and kind of like got they set up all these like dams and um, pipes that basically mm-hmm. like made so it because like it, it can keep filling with out. yeah, that, yeah to get the water out. And these farmers that were uh, that you know were like kind of at the base of the mountain. Mm-hmm. They basically had to redirect the water onto their crops, so they lost oh, an wow. entire year of crops. And wow. they were, but they all gladly did it just to purge just to help that cave the system. Kids. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a crazy story. I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. That's yeah. awesome. Highly wouldn't, recommend it. Wouldn't really happen great. in America. No. <laughs> it's got Vigo. We love Vigo. Yeah, you know? it got Vigo. Big fans of Vigo. Um, yeah, I guess you, you already kind of did your plug. I know you don't have any social media, Blake. Nope. That's cool. Look up his IMDb page. Yeah, I just, I'm adding one to it. So yeah, nice. there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, racking, racking up those credits. This podcast has a Instagram page. Uh, it's Instagram. It's at it's scary Sunday scaries. Uh, we have a... Uh, Patreon. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to think of the word. Um, Patreon.com slash Scary Sunday Scary. If you go on there, you can listen to bonus episodes and uh, new episodes as soon as I get done editing them. Uh, like I said, our episode on Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is up there right now for as little as a dollar. You can go and check that out. 
Um, we are uh, getting on Reddit here now too. There's going to be uh, some. I'm starting to put posts on Reddit uh, with links to the new episodes, so that oh uh, random strangers from the internet can tell me about all the stuff I'm wrong about, uh, which oh will be really God. fun. Why would you uh, open yourself up to that world? Hey, of pain? It's, it's engagement, man. That's fun. I like yeah. I like hearing yeah. other people's opinions. I don't what, feel like I what, get are, what are what optimizing are the... <laughs> our content reach. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, is it you uh, slash Scary Sunday Scaries? Yep. Okay. Yep. So random post from there, and there is going to be a subreddit uh, where that, like okay. the the actual posts get made too. So it'll be. I was about to say, what are the subreddits of this show going to be? Yeah, like, I know. We'll see. Well, it's mostly interacting on with the uh, horror, subreddit horror subreddit because the people on there are actually really. That, there's a lot of cool ideas that come from there. There lists is and watch yeah. lists. I mean, Reddit, so. yeah. Reddit, as a on a grand scale, kind of sucks. But there is some more of the niche communities in there are great useful and you fun. just have to yeah. find the right yeah ones. yeah disregard a lot of the junk and then go hang yeah. out for those stuff um hey i'm at trap the guy on instagram uh, uh, i'm at ty mance t-y-m-a-n-t-z yeah y'all can follow us on there if you want to and hang out with us but uh yeah we uh, watched american psycho for this one um do you know what we're watching what comes after this and the watch order i know we're so we're also recording out of order so i think this is confusing for you guys every single time i do yeah, this so actually don't ask me because i might say something that i'm not supposed to say i know so right? i did that to daniel the other day yeah. <laughs> i should just i should should tell you before we actually record the episode uh, what comes after the one we're recording. I have an idea of the next thing that I'm recording. I know, yeah, but. yeah. The next thing, the episode that will directly follow this will be "I Know What You Did Last Summer." Oh, uh, oh fuck yeah, we're gonna get get back to the '90s, man. We're going like back and forth in time here for those of you listening to these episodes in order. <laughs> so it'll be good for you, I promise. It'll be great. Uh, so yeah, come hang out with us next week to listen to "I Know What You Did Last Summer." Uh, it'll be fun. I'm excited. It's gonna be a really cool cool uh, 90s episode to get back into and then we're gonna get into like the meat of this slasher series with a, a few episodes following that and i'm really mm. excited for you guys to hear it so oh yeah cool all right well that's uh sunday scaries guys uh don't let yourself have a bad week have a good week put put yourself in a good mindset not like patrick bateman um yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, nice except for your morning routine except for your, your morning, morning routine <laughs> can be like moisturizing is important yeah. yes okay bye